Gary Hoffman. Yeah. Shannon Farron. But I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. It's going to be a day of this angsty 22-year-old dude music, isn't it? Nice choice, Blake. Nice choice. Uh. Oh, man. A bunch of guys with emotional issues in the early 2000s. Wearing grandpa's old flannel shirt. You're going to get some nickel back up in there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But not even grandpa's old flannel shirt, which you should have dug into. But like buying an expensive new flannel shirt when you could have worn Grandpa's old flannel shirt. A new flannel shirt designed to look like Grandpa's yeah. old flannel so shirt. Yeah, so I'm uh, just checking out TMZ real quick, like right. I'm one to do at the beginning of the uh, show. Just, just in just, case. Just yeah. in case. And I come across this. Miss Bum Bum 2018. Yeah. That's like a Brazilian uh, butt pageant or something like that, right? Here's the second line. Okay. First transgender gets in the mix. Oh. Is that's where we are now. Miss Bum Bum 2018, first transgender, gets in the mix. And then there's a picture of her. Uh, uh-huh. Paula is her name. And she is the first transgender trying to win Miss Bum Bum. <laughs> Paula, who was born Vinicius before her sex reassignment surgery six years ago. She's 27. She's taken a pretty bold stand given Brazil's known for being prejudiced against gay and transgender people. Miss Bum Bum competition, you'll be sad to know, is in its final year of existence. Oh, no. What? We've only just begun. I didn't even know about Miss Bum Bum. Oscar? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm an avid follower of the Miss Bum Bum contest. I figured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to know who's on top. Got to know who the best, that's, that's, the that's best person you is. You need to know. You've got to know. <laughs> well, we've got a big it's, jo- it's my job to know a little bit about everything, you know. <laughs> You're I'll a put, consumer, and in some I'll, I'll, some cases, you just you spend more time learning. When about the winner happens, I'll put it in the list of stories. <laughs> and if you want to choose, so choose to do it. You know, we'll get there. It's right. Bum Bum Friday. <laughs> no, <sighs> well, there, it is a lot going on. If that's what you mean, um, we are gonna we have we have carved out a little nugget of time next hour to introduce to you a new member of the KFI team. Now, listen. Oh, we somebody, don't hire just anybody. Well, listen, some would call it a team. Some would call it a family. I'll call it a team. We're like it's just, uh, it's a team. We're like it's a cult. No, nah, it's just a team. Like a people, group of people who work together. Oh. Family. Um, also, in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about the Grammys that are coming up on Sunday night. And since the XFL is coming back... 2001 is going to be our uh, Flashback Friday year. So. Well, you know, Steve Gregory's like that weird uncle that only comes around a couple times a year now. And Chris is like the... Speak of the devil. The dad, you know, that you've got deep-seated issues with but have yet to address them. I think we're getting into this a little too far. <laughs> a little too real. All right, let's talk about the big story that's going on right now is people are losing their minds about whether or not... President Trump tried to fire special counsel Robert Mueller. Wait a minute. The yes. special counsel yes. who's investigating whether the White House 
is trying to obstruct the Russia investigation right. into whether the White House colluded with Russia to change the outcome of the 2016 election. That same White House. That's problematic. Um, now, this is the way it, it plays out. The New York Times first had this story and said that he actually ordered the firing of Robert Mueller last June. According to four people told of the matter, that's their sourcing, four people told of this whole thing, but that the president backed down after the lawyer, the White House lawyer, threatened to resign rather than fire Robert Mueller. This is, according to the New York Times, the first time the president is known to have tried to fire the special counsel. And in fact, Robert Mueller knows it because supposedly Robert Mueller has been uh, well, we know he's been interviewing a bunch of people who've worked in the White House. And as he has been talking to some of those people working in the White House, current and former senior White House officials, they have been telling him, oh, yeah, the president tried to fire you back in June. Um, there's a couple of things that I have a problem with. Well, first, I think it's re- it would have been really short-sighted if, in fact, the president decided to fire Robert Mueller. It would have made him look like a complete imbecile. Trying to, and it, even if he doesn't have anything to hide, it would appear like that was a move to hide the things that he was trying not to hide. But what do you that think about this sense. conflicts of interest argument? Well, okay. So here's here's what he says. Right. He says that uh, there was a dispute years ago over fees at Trump National Golf Club in Virginia that had prompted Bob Mueller, the FBI director at the time, to resign his membership. Conflict number one. President also said that Mueller could not be impartial because he had most recently worked for the law firm that previously represented Jared Kushner. Conflict number two. And for conflict number three, the president said Bob Mueller had been interviewed to return as the FBI director the day before he was appointed special counsel. Well, the only one that I would think that actually might have some merit to it is that while he was FBI director, he would belong to the Trump National Golf Club and that there was some dispute over fees and he resigned his membership at that point. The idea that he wouldn't be able to investigate because he worked with the law firm that represented Jared Kushner doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I guess in terms of trying to erase all connections, that would be one. But I, I don't think that that automatically disqualifies him. And then the idea that he would interview to return as the FBI director because James Comey had been fired also doesn't make a lot of sense that that for some reason he I mean he didn't take the job or didn't get offered the job so why would that even be a conflict I don't know why this is such a shocker to be honest with you this is a president that didn't want this investigation to exist which is why he wanted to get rid of Jeff Sessions back then he wants it to go away he wants it to go away that's why he had uh, James Comey in his office saying make this go away this is, he, he doesn't like people talking badly about him. He doesn't like any shades of people talking bad about him. This investigation has been just something that he wanted to go away. Why wouldn't he dive into that topic with one of his lawyers and say, hey, what, can we fire this guy? Can we get rid of him? This is a president who we know in large part because of him firing people. Right. Somebody makes a wrong move or a move against him, and he wants that person gone, wiped from the face of the earth. So – well, here's the thing. It, it, according to this, the New York Times, it goes far beyond just the question uh, of Don McGahn. Don McGahn, I guess is his name, who was the White House counsel. And 
it went beyond just, hey, can we do this, to a directive to do it. And that Don McGahn refused to ask the Justice Department to dismiss Robert Mueller because he said that it would have a catastrophic effect on the presidency. And I'm not going to follow up through on this dismissal. You're going to have to fire me. Okay. Don McGahn's argument is that firing this guy would be, would just incite a whole bunch more questions about whether the White House was trying to obstruct this Russia investigation. And then you'd have a special counsel that, you know, Bob Mueller, whoever's going to replace him and take over the Russia investigation, and then the investigation into the firing of Bob Mueller, which prompts another special counsel. So this is not a thing where, like you said, it's nothing that we should be surprised at. I I, I am a little bit surprised that people's hair is on fire on this. Uh, because they believe that this is so out of the realm of possibility, I guess. But the president was asked about it today. He's in Davos, Switzerland. He's been talking about world economic issues. And he has said... Fake news, folks. Fake news. Fake news. Typical New York Times fake story. And what's this is the first report of the president attempting to fire Mueller. What, was he attempting, though, or did he just have a conversation with one of his top lawyers saying, hey, why don't we? what, what about if we get rid of this guy? Is that setting the ball in motion? Because as soon as his lawyer said, no, 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 no I'll quit before I do that, uh, Trump backed off. He's like, well, I'm not going to go unilaterally on this one. Right. So I think it was just a conversation. I think, of course, he wanted to get rid of him. Of course, he wanted to get rid of Sessions when Sessions wasn't his lapdog. He wants this whole thing to go away. Unfortunately for him, that's not how things work. You can do it in the private world. You can do it in the private sector. Get rid of whoever you want, whatever time you want to. But that's not the way it works when you're sitting in the White House. And there could be evidence that you tried to obstruct justice or colluded with a foreign government to change an election. Well, to that end, I mean, are you saying that the four sources that The New York Times talked to could have the basics of the story right in that there was a conversation. Yes, but it wasn't an official thing. But that there was no order. There was right. no directive to there do so. There was no code red. Okay, I know we were going to talk about the opioids. Right. But we have to talk about what's going on with Wynn Resorts right now and Steve Wynn. Because their their stock dropped nearly 20 points, lost 10% of its opening value Uh-oh. because of the stories that are coming out this morning about Steve Wynn. Dozens of people who have worked at his casinos are talking about his pattern of sexual misconduct. Oh, boy. And it is. Are they as bad as everything else? All the other stories? They are bad. (laughs) Um, He uh, he had some behavior when he was getting manicures. That was unfortunate. Who gets manicures? Steve Wynn. The Wall Street Journal has written a pretty lengthy write-up of this. And they talked to this manicurist who worked at, of course, the flagship Win Las Vegas in 2005 when he opened that up. And she says that after she gave Mr. Wynn a manicure, he pressured her to take off her clothes and lie on the massage table he kept in his office suite. The manicurist said she told Mr. Wynn she did not want to have sex and was married, but he persisted in his demands that she do so. Ultimately, she did disrobe and they had sex. 
He later paid this woman a $7.5 million settlement because she she went to the HR about it. But beyond this, this one incident, uh, dozens of people the Wall Street Journal interviewed who have worked at the casinos say that there was a decades-long pattern of sexual misconduct and him forcing women to uh, have sex with him. He's not a... Uh... I don't know. If it doesn't matter. Never mind. I was going to say he's not an attractive guy. Doesn't matter. None of Harvey Weinstein's not an attractive guy. The um, this manicurist prompted the Wall Street Journal to talk to 150 current and former employees of Win. Yeah, it seems totally uh, widespread. The majority of those who spoke worried that just talking to the media would hurt their job opportunities. Because of his incredible influence, not just in the Wynn family, the Wynn uh, properties, but throughout the state of Nevada, throughout the casino industry in the world. Former employees said they sometimes entered fake appointments in the books to help other female workers get around a request for services in Mr. Wynn's office. Or arrange for others to pose as assistants so these workers would not be alone with him. Female employees would hide in the bathroom or back rooms when they learned he was on the way to the salon. Everyone was petrified. Nobody was there to help us. One former massage therapist at the Wynn Vegas Spa said uh, several years ago, Mr. Wynn was booking multiple appointments a week with her in the private massage room in his office suite and would continually adjust a towel to expose himself. (laughs) The towel trick. At one session, she said he threw it off and said, just get this thing off of me. She said he wouldn't let her use a towel to cover his genitals after that, even though that that's a, a state regulation. That's after a, a few in weeks, Nevada? I didn't realize that would be a state regulation. Well, yeah, wink, wink. Uh, after a few <laughs> weeks, the former employee said Mr. Wynn instructed her to massage his penis to, to uh, climax. And he said to her, don't ignore it anymore. Don't ignore it anymore. It's just, it's all very bad. Like, I'm just getting into some of this. But um, there was a personal assistant to his wife back in the late 80s. And Mr. Wynn repeatedly asked her to spend time with him outside of work. Despite her telling him she had plans with her husband and child, he would call her and say, what are you wearing? Why don't you hang out with me after work? When are you going to... Uh, come to my office and blank me. Do you know who uh, the Wynn Resorts officially blames for all of this? Hmm. His wife. Sorry, his ex-wife. This is the statement uh, that they provided to CNBC, Wynn Resorts. The recent allegations about Mr. Wynn reflect allegations made in court hearings by Mr. Wynn's ex-wife, Elaine, in her legal battle with him and the company. It is clear that Mr. Wynn's ex-wife has sought to use a negative public relations campaign to achieve what she has been unable to do in the courtroom, tarnish the reputation of Mr. Wynn in an attempt to pressure a revised divorce settlement with him. Now, they go on to say that she knew about these allegations from 2005. She knew about them in 2009, but she never made them known to the board of directors, which she was then a member, and in fact didn't bring them up. Until Steve Wynn remarried and the shareholders of Wynn Resorts voted not to elect her to the board. 
And then they go on to say that they operate with the highest ethical standards, et cetera. Believable? Well, I think there's a lot of things that come out in divorce papers and alimony suits and all that kind of stuff that is um, generous with the truth, or I guess you could say stretching the truth a little bit to get money or whatever you want in those in those types of battles. But this kind of you don't make up details like this, you know, well, several 150 people the Wall Street Journal talked to. I mean, there were several people that said this guy would wear Larry Bird shorts, no underwear, and expose his genitals every time he could. He got a chance. That's a great, such a great visual. Larry Bird shorts with your well. This was a guy who's uh, his prime time was in like the eighties, right? Yeah. So sometimes people stick to the clothing that was big in their prime time. And for him, it was these extremely short shorts, according to these women. And it's just so sick that because you think about who works in the salons in Vegas, right? It's usually women who are maybe the most vulnerable, probably, sure. you know, um, uh, maybe a lot of ESL situations. And that's gross that he was using all of these women that work in the salon and the massage thing. And this is Mr. Wynn. This is the guy's name that's in cursive on the top of this big, beautiful building that employs you. I, mm. Anyway, not a the, surprise. The stocks uh, were, I, I mean, that's fascinating, isn't it? Drop, uh, stock dropped 6% for Wynn Resorts yeah. after this Wall Street Journal bombshell report came out. Uh, we'll continue a little bit with this. Also, uh, opioid crisis. Uh, we now know where they're coming from, or at least a lot of them. That's all coming up. Uh, we'll continue. But I have $1,000 I want to give away. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Just BILLS, that's it, B-I-L-L-S. And if you win, they'll give you a call, but you've got to answer the phone. If you, for some reason, don't answer the phone, they'll move on and give $1,000 to somebody else. I wonder how many other stories. Are these stories just going to be endless? Is this just an endless stream of guys? Probably. And now well, just I mean, dipping there's... into the Vegas pool? I mean, well, I bet we'll the... hear, hear more tales from those guys. Vegas is a place that I would imagine that this goes on a whole lot more than anybody, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, just... I'm sure that it's like a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Oh, the head of the casino shows me his genitals while I'm giving him a manicure. That's, you know. Did you did you mention the payout, though? The $7.5 million? Yeah. Yeah. You don't uh, pay somebody $7.5 million unless you've done something real bad. We said that with Bill O'Reilly in one of his settlements, which was $9 million. Right. Uh, like, that goes beyond that unwanted That goes beyond, uh, I'm just trying to protect my family's yeah. privacy. Uh, thank you for wearing underwear. I just Who wanted are you, you. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't know how to respond. I actually to that. don't know, but I, if you you're do assuming wear you're making a lot of assumptions. But right thank now, you lady. for not wearing short shorts, sans underwear to work. I appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you made it awkward now. No, I'm just thinking about a workplace environment where a guy's flashing his junk all the time at you. Are you saying that because Handel gave you a compliment today? No. Now you made it weird. Mm -hmm. 
If we get more information about this whole Steve Wynn uh, story, we'll bring it to you because it's just a fascinating and it's just coming out. And like you said, his uh, the, the wind stock is taking it in the shorts right now. All right. China apparently has been sending opioids our way left and right, was able to expose a flaw in the U.S. Postal Service. You don't say. So hard to believe that they would find a hole in it. Uh, but this is part of an Associated Press investigation. There's also a Senate investigation into the supply of opioids, synthetic opioids in the United States. Where are they coming from? I tried That's, to. In fact, one of the questions that, that, that I have when I watch the show, Intervention, did you say you tried I to watch tried it last night? I tried to watch it last night. I've only gotten through part one of the first episode on the opioid uh, addiction series. And they're doing it specifically and in I, an area north of Atlanta. It's it's the, it was when the woman who picks her face was taking the baby clothes out of the car mm, is when that they live in yep. uh, that I had to shut it off. Like self-preservation. It was so depressing. Oh, so you didn't even get to the twist at the end of the first episode. No. There's a good twist. There that is? They set it up. Uh, the, Does the, she get sober and take care of her baby? Would That, that would be nice. Well, I don't know what at the end of the series, I don't know what happens, but oh. there's a twist at the end of the first episode oh. that they don't say anything like they don't it, you don't see it coming, Interesting. but it's a good it's a good twist. They did a good job of setting it up. But my question is, where do these drugs come from? I mean, they only talk about the demand for it and then talk about the treatment of it in these show intervention. That's obviously why it's called that. But. Where are people getting these opioids? Are they buying them off the street? And in this case, they do show a couple of buys. But but heroin specifically, who's bringing that? Who's making it? Where is it coming from? So some of these answers, uh, some of these questions are answered in this this, this study from the Associated Press and this uh, Senate report. So we'll talk about that when we come back. And just today, Mexican cops found enough fentanyl to kill more than a million people stuffed into the back of an SUV 90 minutes from the border. Oh, so, my God. All of that is coming up. Gary and Shannon will continue. We all fell in love with Train. <laughs> no. Uh, and the year that the XFL entered our lives for the first time. I it, like trains. It's going to be back in 2020. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know about this. You don't think it's going to happen? or I don't know. Well, all funded it, by, uh, by Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon. But without the gimmicks? That was what made it interesting entertaining to me. Was this it? is all, I think, about the president, to be honest with you. What? Vince McMahon and the president are tight. Oh. <laughs> and he said in his statement yesterday that his players will not be allowed to protest and this whole bit. And the president hasn't been able to get into the NFL after countless times of trying. So I think this might have something. I think his wife, Vince McMahon's wife, actually has a job in. She's a cabinet secretary. Yeah. She's secretary. Right. Commerce or Small Business Administration. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, so there's something 
there's something weird going on involving politics with this. But we'll we'll talk about all of that coming up uh, in the next hour. China yesterday says it's ready to work with the United States in fighting illicit opioid shipments because congressional investigators found that Chinese opioid manufacturers are able to use a flaw in the U.S. Postal Service to ship huge quantities of illegal drugs right to drug dealers here. This was an interesting thing, and they talked about how congressional investigators found all this stuff out, and literally, literally, they started by just Googling fentanyl for sale. And when you do that, I did it, you get dozens, couple hundred different websites I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. Yeah, you should have. That was like a shower nozzle over there. Whoa, it's got to you too. You handle. (laughs) They literally Googled fentanyl for sale and found all kinds of different advertisements and started sending inquiries. How much? How do I do it? How do I pay you? Et cetera. Here's some Kleenex. Thank you. Goodness. You're welcome. They preferred Bitcoin, by the way. Another reason not to invest. Um, they accept Western Union transfers, PayPal, prepaid credit cards, etc. Wait et a minute here. So there might be something behind this whole Bitcoin situation, surge in pricing, that coincides with the surge in opioids flooding the market. Potentially. It's not just the currency of terrorists. It's now the currency of, uh, of the dark web. opioid dealers. They said – now, this is the, the flaw that you were talking about when it comes to – using the U.S. Postal Service. They wanted to ship packages through an international arm of the U.S. Postal Service rather than something like FedEx or UPS because they were telling the investigators there was a lot less chance that the package would end up detained because specifically FedEx and UPS require that you fill out information about the sender, the receiver, and what's in a package. The U.S. Postal Service doesn't do that, at least not all the time. And part of the, the I guess, flaw is that there are other mail organizations, postal service organizations in different countries that also don't require that. So while there are plans to change that for the U.S. Postal Service and require that same type of information, they would have to do the same and, and get the same style of security enhancements with these other postal services around the world, which don't exist. So I cannot get over the numbers here. Uh, investigators identifying 500 transactions, adding up to about $766 million worth of fentanyl from just six sellers. Six sellers accounting for $766 yeah. million. And we're talking fentanyl. This is not just this is not just heroin. This is fentanyl. This is like this a is- chemical weapon. Well, that, and that's the other one is the uh, – what was the name of it? The carfentanil? Carfentanil? Carfentanil. It's an opioid used as an elephant tranquilizer that is so potent that they classify it as a chemical weapon. And – The way that, that fentanyl can – I mean we've heard of police officers responding to things, firefighters changing the way they respond to to calls because so little of fentanyl just on contact can can kill you. Yeah, if you have no tolerance or whatever, it, you know, it, it right. will kill you. So isn't that in in effect a chemical weapon? Yeah, yeah. And to that end, I was mentioning this uh, just before the break there that these these police in Ensenada 
found 100 pounds of fentanyl. Fentanyl can be fatal in doses of just a few milligrams. Um, to put it in perspective, they're saying a seizure last year, four and a half pounds of fentanyl in Columbus, Ohio, is enough to kill the entire population of that city. Obviously, the guy was headed to the United States with all of this stuff. So congratulations, I-5. You're bringing all our drugs to us. The issue of opioids and painkillers, though, um, it can be lost, confused. There are plenty of people who can live and function with opioids treating their pain. But doctors are now faced with this question of if we don't use opioids to treat pain, what do we do? bunch of doctors have been doing a lot of work on different ways, tricyclic drugs, gabapentinoids. Marijuana works. Marijuana is one of those Sometimes things. works better for people. They're also saying that some of it is that too often for too long, doctors had been going simply to painkillers as a way to, to deal with pain. Now that a lot of them are using things like exercise, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that, to help reduce the pain they of go, whatever they're dealing with. They go with. straight to narcotics when you're in the hospital. You don't even know it sometimes. You can't say no. You can say no, but it's after, or it's already in your system. So anyway, I'm, I'm fascinated by this uh, and that intervention show that's on right now. And I think we're this week, I think, is their fifth out of eight uh, episodes in this miniature series that they're doing on, uh, on opioids, specifically in the neighborhoods north of Atlanta. So that'll be good. Man, I was I, I'm I'm in this uh, serial killer podcast right now. I just finished a, a pretty dark book. Uh, I got I was watching that intervention last night. And I was like, oh my god, everything I'm consuming right now is terrible. Dark. So then I put on a Barbara Streisand, Seth Rogen movie and cried at it, and felt better. I would have cried at that too. It was a cute movie. Oh boy! Remember the guy who. Uh clicked the wrong thing in Hawaii and sent that missile alert that scared the bejesus out of people for a good 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. He's staying quiet. He's not answering questions. Mm, What What, does it mean? What could he have to hide? We'll tell you when we come back. (laughs) Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon on this uh, Friday. It's January 26th now. The bottom of next hour, 1130, we're going to introduce you to our newest member. Of the family. We're like the mafia. No, it's not like the mafia. The family. I don't know anybody. I've not heard us kill anyone. Yet. I suppose there's always that. The employee who sent out that false missile alert that caused uh, massive panic in Hawaii refuses to cooperate with an FCC investigation. I don't understand this. I do. I feel (laughs) like if he lawyered up, the lawyer probably told him not to say anything to anybody. I'm assuming that's the reason. He already got, he didn't get fired. I mean, he just got reassigned. Reassigned. So he still got a job. What's he worried about? Lisa 
Falks, the bureau chief of the FCC's Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau, says we are disappointed that one key employee, the person who transmitted the false alert, is refusing to cooperate with our investigation. We hope this person will reconsider. Other than that, though, she said that she's quite pleased with the level of cooperation that they've received from the leadership of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. Uh, He's not cooperating with state and federal officials. Uh, He gave an initial statement at the time of the incident and has refused to speak since then, according to the uh, uh, Emergency Management Agency there for the state. His position has been that he gave a written statement and he has nothing more to say. We would hope that he would assist in clearing this up. He pushed the wrong damn button. Yeah, I mean, how much investigation needs to be going? But didn't he had to press it twice? I don't, well, let's go down a speculative conspiracy hole. Right. That's what we do. Yes. What's your favorite? Why? He was looking at porn. Oh, he was looking at porn. Yeah. So he distracted by it. Totally distracted by it. Which is why he hit the button twice. Right. Interesting. Or just was it was it? about eight a.m. local time. Who looks at porn in the seven o'clock hour? <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, everybody. Everyone have, knows that your porn should be watched this, right? after dark. <laughs> no, the uh, no. I'm pretty sure he was just distracted. The frustrating part about the, all of this is not just that the guy's not talking. If you remember the. The governor of Hawaii knew within two minutes that this was a false alarm. But on Monday said he was delayed in sharing the news on his Twitter account because he didn't know his Twitter password. All of that could have been cleared up within minutes. Did you hear the report? One of my friends just sent this to me that uh, Pornhub said views in Hawaii were up 50 percent in the minutes after that. The second message went out saying the threat was a false alarm. What? Yeah. So. So you're in the clear. The first you're in thing the you clear, do. The first thing you do is you log on. Thank God I'm alive. Let's watch some some weird stuff. I didn't think that would be a. I don't know if that's a go to thing. Stress reliever, guys. Come on. Oh. Stress reliever. Yeah, you just went through an intense. Uh, Oscar, thinking you're going to die. Some people choose champagne. Some people choose Pornhub. Right. If you and Mrs. Oscar were in Hawaii and you <laughs> saw this thing come across your phones and you're on the beach, right. what do you do? I'd probably panic and get it on it. is what you do. Right? Yeah, I guess so. You're just doing the beach. Then I mean, you're gonna you're gonna go. You're gonna go. Yeah. Go do something you love. Yeah, but you know these guys don't have. What if they don't have a significant other? You know, they. Oh, maybe. But why wait until after the thing? That's the pro. That's what I'm telling I don't you. It's a stress. You just whew, all right. Let's get back to the wouldn't business you of the do day. It, wouldn't you do it while you thought you were going to die? Right. I don't know. I'm not one of these people. I'm just trying <laughs> to help. Like Oscar. I'm just trying to what, help them out. What would you go on the site if you thought you were going to die? What time of day am I there? Is it stress? <laughs> no. Don't answer that. <laughs> He's an early morning guy. Stop it. Super early. Stop it. So uh, we will uh, (laughs) next hour. We have a bunch to get to. We're going to tell you more about the uh, family in Paris in Riverside County, the torture case, because we now know that they may have tried to leave Texas or I should say they left Texas after that same girl, the teenage girl who originally called for help 
she may have tried to call for help in Texas as well. Maybe they were just trying to avoid the authorities. So we'll talk about that. We'll meet our new member of our KFI team and uh, a little bit of the debate from last night. Did anybody care or know that there was a debate last night between the gubernator go- people oh, running no, for no, governor? no, no. We can't say – yeah, we got to say people running people for governor. Don't you remember the Chris Little edict? Oh, we can't say mayoral either. Mayoral, gubernatorial, these are all no-nos because that's not how normal people talk. Would you please uh, – oh, on Instagram, we put a picture of Shannon's damn it doll <laughs> just so you can take a look. She's swinging this thing around wildly today. Well, Friday we get to bring toys in. Yeah. I still think it has something to do with Handel's compliments. Shannon, a lot of people on – well, not a, a few people on Twitter are asking, uh, what serial killer podcast you're looking at right now or listening oh, to? Oh, I'm listening to Atlanta Monster. New episodes come out every Friday. This is, I think, the fourth episode today. And it's about a, um, a number of kids who went missing and were killed in Atlanta in the late 70s, early 80s. It's all about that investigation. And I started uh, listening to Up and Vanished, which is done by the same guy. There you go. But don't listen to it during the show. No, Listen to our of course. Gary and Shannon hey. on this Friday, Flashback Friday, 2001. Where is were Flashback you? Friday here. Where were you in 2001? Let us know at Gary and Shannon. Anything exciting? Where were you? Seattle. That's all. You already have a couple kids? One, uh, one and a half? I had one then. One. Yeah. Yeah. One. <laughs> I swear you're going to throw that thing at me. No, I'm just. Uh, Oscar took a picture of us and posted it on uh, Instagram. The Gary and Shannon page. It's wh- adorable. Why is Shannon so stunning? What? That says uh, the real Bill Handel, I think, who wrote that. Oh, um, that's nice. Love the ponytail. Somebody else writes, Handel was right. If you missed it at the crosstalk uh, when we come in and tease what's coming on the show, Handel said some very nice things. And then was saying, like, I can't believe I'm he, saying He prefaced it with, I'm going to get in trouble for, for sexual harassment right. or something. And or then a said, lawsuit. you look really nice. Yeah, which is okay. You can tell people they look nice at work, I think. Gary? Yes? You look cold today. It's Not a cold day and you're wearing short sleeves. It's cold outside. It was 40 degrees outside. While in here, it was a good 70. Maybe 71. Well, All right. Unfortunately, I can't get enough of hearing about this family from Paris. Would it would be unfortunately is a good word a reality show that we would watch. Minus the abuse. Right. I mean that's not just nobody a wants family to see that. Hold up in a house. Which I guess is abuse in itself, isn't it? We know that whatever conditions were going on inside the house in Paris here in Riverside County were bad. I haven't seen any pictures from inside the house yet. But I assume they will eventually come out. What we are seeing, though, is the previous house that they lived in in Hill County, Texas. A former neighbor who later bought the house said the family completely trashed this place before they disappeared in 2010. There are new pictures. Do we have the link to that OC register story up? If we don't, we will, because these new pictures are disgusting. 
I mean, the grime is thick. Feces on the walls. Doo-doo and feces all over the walls. Rotting bathroom floors, trash strewn everywhere, knocked in doors. Remember, we even heard a report from one of the neighbors back then uh, that they had a trailer parked next to their home and that they figured out that the reason the family was living in this trailer, and I don't know how that many people can live in one trailer, but anyway, was because they had completely destroyed their house. Now, how do you think it got to be so destroyed? Do you think this was part of the kids' rebellion? No. No, I think that a home with that many bodies in it, at that time I think there were there were at least 10 kids, that a home with that many bodies in it is just going to get worn down. Simple things like kids... This isn't worn down, though. This is feces on the walls. Click through the pictures. You can see that the kitchen is just covered in crap. I mean, sewing machines and just it's like a hoarder's paradise, but dirty hoarder. There's just some level of mental illness that's going on with this with this family that is just uncharted territory. The guy was an engineer, right, or is an engineer or something. He's got a brain in there somewhere that's capable of rational thought. Right? Some problem solving? They have a picture of a bathroom here, which, first of all, it looks disgusting. And the floor has rotted out in front of the toilet. So all they did was they laid a piece of plywood down on the floor. So I guess the kids wouldn't fall through the floor when they're using the the crapper. It looks like people were literally clawing at the walls. There are patches of... Of paint, of of stuff, parts of the walls chipped off, um, which would make sense if you were trapped in a house. There uh, are holes in the ceiling. Looks like maybe the kids tried to get out through the roof or something. That's what I'm just just getting. But the the piles of stuff that are packed onto the there's like a kitchen bar area, like, like an where, island where you would yeah, like an island or you know where you would maybe put set up some stools for breakfast or whatever covered in garbage and crap and uh, just uh, boxes uh, of crap everywhere. It's just no no one corner of this home was clean or acceptable or not a hoarding situation. What's interesting is that the, these pictures, most of them that we that the Orange County Register posted as part of their story, were obtained by the family who bought the house, but they didn't take them. Somebody else took those pictures. And they found them in one of the drawers. They found a, a stack of Polaroids that were just taken from inside the house. So there's a possibility that the Turpins took these pictures themselves. It doesn't seem likely, but there's a possibility. Now, we know that they left Hill County, Texas in 2010. And some of the neighbors are saying they believe it was right after one of the girls got out apparently to call for help. The Family was living in that mobile home in the middle of the property when one of the daughters went walking down the road. This is according to a woman named Nellie Baldwin. She says the girl didn't get far before she was picked up by someone who lived nearby, that a neighbor came along. And Nellie says that the girl told him to take her to a telephone. Nellie says she doesn't know where the neighbor took the girl or who the girl called, but she believes she called 911 because a few days later they left. Again, 
I know well, uh, anything goes in some rural, 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 excuse me, parts of the country, in the world. But it just seems like there were so many times for somebody to intervene here. I mean, you got a family living in a, a mobile home, a family at least, what, 12 deep at that point, 11 yeah. deep maybe. And if you what? saw that, you might think they're just living in there while they're getting their house worked on or something. But there would be no evidence of any sort of remod going on in the house. This Baldwin lady was a neighbor. She ended up buying the property. She she owned some cattle, I guess, and one of the cows got out. So she went to the house. She went to the Turpin house and actually knocked on the door because she was trying to rustle up her cows. That's what they say. And <laughs> she said that the, nobody came to the door. She said nobody around there had anything to do with them because they were loners. The Baldwins then asked the neighbors, hey, do you think you think uh, they would mind if I went on their property and got my, uh, got my cows that wandered over there? And the neighbors would say, the people are strange. They homeschool their kids and they don't let them out. That's, a, that's enough, right? I mean, not letting your children out of the house? Hill County Sheriff's Office has no record of a child or young adult, for that matter, calling 911 to ask for help at this property. Call records are kept about a year unless they're tagged for a specific cause, however, case, however. So it wouldn't exist anyway, right? No. Deputies were called to the house, though, on two separate occasions, they said. At one point... In 2001, which is another reason why we're doing our Flashback Friday year of 2001, one of the four-year-old Turpin kids was bitten in the face by a dog and needed stitches. The dog also didn't have a rabies vaccination, so the vet put the dog down. A couple years later, the family's pigs got out and ate 55 pounds of dog food on a neighbor's property. When they moved to California, though, the sheriff's department said that they never had any calls any calls to their home. This is just crazy because, like you said, there's so many opportunities at some point. Listen to this. After the Turpins left the home in Texas, the mortgage company bought, brought two dumpsters to haul trash from the mobile home. Wow. A neighbor said he saw a dead cat on the trailer's stove. Why does that mean? They had to pour gallons of bleach on the floors of the home. No, burn it. Just yeah, I'd burn, burn that, thing, that down. thing down. That is a down. tear down. You can't get... I. Okay, not that I have a lot of experience with this, but I do watch the show Hoarders. And if you don't keep track of your house like that, there are dangerous things that can happen. I mean, if nothing else, you got weird fluids and liquids and stuff seeping into your wood floors or up the drywall or into the studs or something. You got to just start over. Oh my gosh. AJ on Twitter makes such an excellent point. He says, every reality show ever is a family hold up in a house, Kardashians, etc. It is so true. I was watching Teen Mom. Listen, we all have our vices. You've got hoarders. I've got Teen Mom. Hey. And uh, and I, I feel like some of the problems with these kids are they just don't leave their house. 
you know, like uh, Caitlin and Tyler. It's like you got to get out of that house. You got to get off that couch. You take a walk, go for a hike, you know, go go visit the horse. Uh, a lot of these reality shows, it really is centered on people not leaving the house. Amber, too. She's got to get out of the house. Well, you know, a lot of the, your 600-pound life people. You know, they're anxious to rebuild their lives. What was that? I don't know. Sorry, that was me. Oh, oh, Amy, it, it, it kind of you your toes. It kind of was perfect. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I thought you were talking to AJ. Or something. <laughs> um, well, it is interesting. the The six minor children of the Turpins will be split up between a couple of foster homes. Uh, Riverside County has obviously been granted conservatorship over the kids and over the seven adult siblings, and they will be transferred to an assisted living facility for adults. Imagine that. They have, we're talking like a 22, 24, 20. The seven people between the ages of 18 and 29 are so incapable of caring for themselves that they have to move into an assisted living facility for adults. Of course, they didn't know what a police officer was. There's basic life data that they have not been exposed to. In fact, they've been wired so wrongly. And I I keep going back to the report that we had when these kids were super shocked that somebody would want to provide them with clothes or anything, help of any kind. And it just shows how intrinsic it must be in their brains. The parents saying you're worthless, you're crap, nobody's going to take care of you, you're not worth anything, you're not worth any food so you don't get to have any you're not worth freedom, so you're going to be chained up to this bed for months on end. You're not worth a bathroom. You're not worth a shower to wash yourself and have basic human dignity. So it would make sense that they're completely shocked about any sort of goodwill coming their way. I wonder if there's a point where they can take for the, take care of themselves. I hope so. I mean, I is that, if you're 29 years old and you've lived under this for three decades now, what... Is there a way for you to learn those things that you should have learned, to learn those things that you should have been taught? Fix the brain. Fix yeah. the way the brain works. Yeah, because you're, ta- you're dealing with dimin- diminished mental capacity on all of these kids simply because of the malnourishment. So we fix that problem, right? We get them three square meals. We, we teach them exercise. We get them healthy. Is there a way for them that to for that then to translate into uh, a successful adult life uh, for man, and then for them to get well enough to take care of their younger siblings too? I don't know if it ever gets to that point. Um, I think the next court date, the next court appearance, is probably the towards the end of next month, the end of February, where they do some uh, updates and get all trial stuff worked out. There were motions earlier this week. The parents can't have contact with the kids for a period of at least three years. No contact, no phone calls, no electronic mail, nothing. You know there's a hard scramble for the producers of the world to get the first kid or kids to go on the Today Show or Dr. Phil or any of that. I'm hoping Riverside County taking conservatorship of these kids means that they would not allow that. Yeah, but you... I mean, I would totally watch it. Let me be serious. I would totally watch it out of just dire curiosity. 
But I would hope that for the sake of those kids, that never happens. I believe the way it worked for J.C. Dugard is uh, People Magazine got the interview. Um, and that was the first and only one she did for a, a while. Like, if, if it can be one interview to kind of sate the people, right. which is disgusting, but that it could be, um, you know, agreed upon questions in a controlled environment and not a Dr. Phil type um, exploitation kind of thing. Um, and then maybe people would back off for a little while, but you know, that's a fight that's going on Sick people. a race to the bottom there. All right. Uh, how Speaking about this? Of that? Yeah. How about a thousand dollars to give away? Here's how you can win your shot at $1,000. Now text the keyword money to 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry. Plus iHeartRadio info standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200, 200. Charles Manson, there was a celebration on the program when he finally died, but the fight is not over. The fight for his body has begun. Legal battle for his body and possessions. And they're saying this fight could land in any of three California counties where friends and purported relatives have a court fight. There's, okay, so these three parties have all state claims to Charles Manson's body from the Morgan Kern County. And you have to figure out who this is going to go to. The The sickening part of it, I mean, to follow on the sickness of watching these kids from the Turpin family be interviewed on TV, there are people who would pay a lot of money for Anything that has to do with Charles Manson, any of his property, any of his writings, any of his whatever it is. Part of his body. Oh, it's disgusting. But it is. I mean, it whoever has the rights to his property. It's a windfall for them, Ben, because because the three that we know of that are making these choices that are going after this and making this uh, an actual fight. None of them have said, I want to control it. I want to bury it. I don't want it. I don't want him. Uh. To be a celebrity anymore, I'm just going to get rid of all of the stuff and not sell it. Ben Gorecki is one of two pen pals who hold dueling wills allegedly signed by Charles Manson. Ben says it's a circus show. It's despicable that I'm sitting here 60 days later and I can't get my friend cremated. My friend. Well, let's pull the car over. Uh, who the hell befriends Charles Manson? Look- I mean, and I know that's a naive question. That everything we learn about the dark web, you know, whether it's Albanian uh, cult gangs that will <laughs> maim or kill people for you. For Bitcoin. You hire them for Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. Um, but but I mean, come on. And I bet he had so many pen pals. I bet there are women lining up to talk to Charles Manson. It's just sad. Anyway, uh, there's a guy in Florida, Jason Freeman. He claims he's a grandson and the rightful heir and that there was no will. He's been challenged here in L.A. by a guy named Michael Channels, the other pen pal, and, side note, collector of Manson memorabilia. Collector of Manson memorabilia. Yeah, that puts that on his business card, probably. Gorecki, the first guy you were talking about, the guy says, I can't. I'm waiting for 60 days, and I can't bury my friend. He's, he also sells these Manson mementos to fans 
Uh, he has filed a will with the Kern County Coroner's Office that bears Charles Manson's signature. I should say, finger quotes, signature, because there's no way to re- really prove that it's his, I guess. But it names Ben Gorecki as the executor and leaves everything to his one living child, a guy named Matthew Lentz, who is a uh, musician here in L.A. They have yet to file the will in court. The Kern County Coroner is asking a judge to transfer the case to Kern County. They have a hearing scheduled next Wednesday. They also have to figure out what is the correct place to decide who controls Charles Manson's estate. Because while the body is in Kern County, Charles Manson spent all of his time at Corcoran, well, he, while he was at Corcoran, in Kings County, and then all of these guys, at least Jason Freeman, uh, Michael Channels, Ben Garecki, they have all come and filed in L.A. County as well. So the, the, the lawyer for Jason Freeman, the grandson, finger quotes, grandson, wants it in L.A. because that's where Charles Manson lived before he was convicted in the killings, of course. They have <clears throat> done nothing but call each other bad names outside of court. Michael Channels says that Matthew Lentz is a fraud, that Ben Garecki forged Manson's signature on the will that he got in the mail January of last year. And Garecki says that Channels wrote the will, faked the whole thing, gave it to Manson to autograph during a prison visit. These you got to look at yourself You know what the takeaway is? We can all go to bed smiling tonight. Knowing that we didn't spend the day fighting for Charles Manson's body, all of us, we can feel a li- walk a little taller today because we didn't spend any time <laughs> fighting for Charles Manson's body. Yeah, there's a- Unless you're that one of those guys in L.A. that's listening and is fighting for Charles Manson's body. Yeah, spend some time with yourself in front of the mirror today, buddy. That's I would just just do a little self introspection. Adopt a dog, you know. <laughs> no, I don't want. I don't want a dog living with these animals. Oh yeah, you're right. God, go for a hike, H- have some fresh air. Right, get out of that little uh, aluminum foil covered apartment <laughs> that you're in. Take the foil off the windows. <laughs> get out, move around, clean the mac and cheese off your sweater. That sounds good right your now. Your mom, mac still and cheese. Hates I haven't had mac and cheese in so long. Nor a grilled cheese sandwich, which sounds delightful today. Uh, is there a place that would deliver a grilled cheese sandwich? I don't know if it travels well, though. You want Bob's it hot. Big boy. Bob's Big Boy would do it. But I want it hot. Sandwich. Then tell them that. I want it hot. Well, I just feel like between the time it leaves Bob's Big Boy to get here, it's going to be cold. And then you're going to throw some diva fit where you're the, the great uh, grilled cheese incident of Listen, January I don't think it's being a diva wanting a grilled cheese to be hot. The way you're making it sound, it sounds very diva-like. I want it hot. Well, who wants a cold grilled cheese sandwich? Nobody does, but the way you said it, it was like, oh, very, really? Yes, cross well, I, your arms and pout. Well, I take it back. I'll t- I, you'll, I, now I like, now I like, you'll take one room temp. I'd like it to be warm. Uh, Blake, let's get a uh, grilled cheese room temp, please. Copy that. <laughs> Here we go. All right, we come back. We're going to introduce you to Corbin Carson, the newest member of our KFI team. We'll ask him how he likes his grilled cheese. Okay. And what's his favorite kind of cheese on that grilled cheese? He doesn't even know what he's walking into. Poor guy. Poor guy.
Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. 2001 is our flashback Friday year. In the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about the new uh, XFL, the new one, not the old XFL. Well, it is the old XFL. But it's the new XFL. Mm -hmm. Not all gimmicky, Uh, no more he hate me or anything like that. Yeah, we're going to have to take an over-under on how long this thing lasts. Football the way God intended, I think, is what Mm. Vince McMahon said. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, uh, we have a new member of the family. We're like the mafia, Corbin. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Yeah, well, have, they, have they told you like that this is a, you have to get, first of all, we have to jump you. Uh, you well, get jumped into a no, gang. We don't, we, don't, is that, we don't jump anyone. You're going to hit him with that damn it doll that you have? No. <laughs> it's okay. the kind of blood in, blood out type thing. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Phoenix. Phoenix, born Arizona. Brad? No, I no, I was born in Miami, Florida, and uh, migrated to Chicago. Uh, my family's from Chicago. I have some family here too, and then, uh, but spent most of my time growing up in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow, it's hot there. It is, and I am looking forward to uh, <laughs> it not not being. There. It really is. That's that's is, the, the very I mean, first I, descriptor. I can't do summers in Phoenix. I can't uh, get off a plane in the summer in <sighs> Phoenix. It's just it's stifling. You know how people talk about the snow and having to dig themselves out in, yeah. in the east. I just it's one of the reasons that we stay in this uh, this beautiful, wonderful because uh, our temperatures range terrible from state seventy eight somewhere down to like sixty eight. Yeah. on a rough day. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in fairness, we have that the eight or nine months out of the year. We as I used to be there, but um, then there's that four months where we try to tell people you get used to it, but you don't. You really don't. No, 120. Nobody gets used to 120 right. with a dust storm coming in in the afternoon. Yeah, a haboob is, a, is what we call a it. A haboob. Hey. That is a new word for the show. Writing it down. Haboob. I'm, Goog- I'm Googling it. It's going to just show you a big dust cloud. Uh, boob. Specialties? I mean, are there specific stories or, or uh, uh, genres of uh, news that you like to cover the most? I, I love criminal justice issues. Uh, um, I, I like law enforcement issues, uh, getting both sides of that story. Uh, I enjoy parenting issues as a parent, four kids. And uh, How old are they? You're going to like this part. So 21, okay. 18, 6, and 3. You have a 21-year-old? Wow. I do. That's great. So they can kind of take care of themselves, you know, the 21 they, they and 18. Yeah. Well, they're millennials now. I don't know if they ever will <laughs> they take, can care take care of themselves. They take care of the little ones, but, you know? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Fun. And so quite a perspective, having uh, yeah. kids super young and then uh, growing up and, and realizing that they're not going to actually be rocket scientists and presidents and being a little more forgiving. And yet, yet, jo- that you know of. Well, yeah. You know. No, there's a point. I agree with you. Well, uh, there's a point when you know. There's a few. It's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. That door has closed. Yeah. My dad was set on me and my brother becoming professional athletes. Like he thought that we were both going to get scholarships uh, to, you know, Notre Dame. All right. right. And uh, that was so far off. At what point do you think zero, he gave that up? Zero it's... athletic ability. Either one of us. What really. are you talking about? You played softball in high school. Yeah. I played right field. Oh, what was that? The only way I got on base was stepping into pitches. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I just think it's funny when it's true. Dads do have these like grandiose ideas for the kids as soon as they uh, as soon as they come out. 
Nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. Yeah, I yeah. Think so too. Well, it's just one thing. It's a perspective thing. One, one thing I've learned now is, you know, I still put great ideas in front of them. I still push them towards success and excellence, et cetera. But I'm in a, I'm more in a role of advisory now. Hey, do you want to do this? No? All right. You know, do what yeah. you want. So less about force and more about, you know, what do they want? What do you think about Los Angeles so far? Spend mm. any time here aside from, I don't know, moving here? Like like <laughs> heat, the first thing that comes to mind uh, with Los Angeles is traffic. Yeah. Uh, I've spent a good portion of this first week here in traffic. Yeah. You're so rethinking the move, aren't you? Yeah. Hopefully that goes down. It doesn't. It doesn't? It gets worse. Is it better Some on the weekends? Some days it ends in tears. <laughs> <laughs> when you're on the 405, <laughs> about 630. It just doesn't end. Well, uh, well uh, clearly last night uh, we were coming back from a story in Orange County, I think, what I'm here to talk to you about. And we got stuck on the five so long that it was like, well, let's just stop and have dinner. Sure. Like you can stop and have dinner and then come back and there was still a good 45 oh, yeah. minutes to get back to the station. <laughs> Sometimes uh, if the wet, have you been to the West Side yet? Not yet. Oh, man. It'll take you uh, an hour and a half to go four miles sometimes. Oh. Santa Monica Boulevard, uh, it's just a disaster. See, 120 degrees is not sounding so bad right no. now. Yeah. At least I can move around and turn on the air. Yeah, um, and, the, and the roads are beautiful in Phoenix. They I mean, are. they're just, they're velvety smooth. And Have you ever done anything but news, or have you always been in news? News is my thing. Um, you know, I was a musician before that. I uh, did some hip-hop. I was in a couple rock bands and really? that sort of thing. Yeah. What were the band's names? Oh goodness! Um, let's see. I was in No Question. Was the uh, the original hip hop band from Phoenix? Googling. Oh, here goes some googling. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I you know I was a, a rapper turned journalist. So telling stories from the streets now, still telling stories from the streets, just less rhyming. Yeah, it makes it easier if you don't have to rhyme the words. Right. I found. <laughs> um, so uh, married kids. You already said the kids. Yep, married. Uh, and and what does she do? She's a school teacher. Excellent. Second grade. She's uh, finishing out her year in Phoenix, so that's sad, and I don't get to see the kids. We do the FaceTime every night type thing, and she'll be joining in June when she finishes her year and uh, teaching here. Very cool. All right. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, it gets it gets better. I'm sorry. The yeah. traffic? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. No, that, that's that's over? Better, no. <laughs> Chris Little gets better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, that was what I was going to ask you. Not about Chris at all. Uh, yeah, please had, no, because I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> That's why I said that. I will if, no uh, comment real quick on that one. Have you had your uh, your your prerequisite uh, B-list celebrity sighting yet? Like run into somebody at Starbucks that you go, hey, aren't you? See, it used guy? to be a rite of passage for the KFI family to go across the street to a place called, a dim- was it Dimples? What was the name? Oh yeah, where they're yeah. building this new building yeah. right there. Yeah, and it was an this old bar. dive bar, and you'd go across the street, and nine times out of ten, you'd see Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell, drunk and disorderly, hitting on twenty-year-old girls, um, and, and singing karaoke. <laughs> and that would be like the the first celebrity yeah. sighting. Everybody's first celebrity sighting here for a long time was Mr. Belding, but. I guess that's not the case. Anymore. I haven't yeah. seen any yet, but um, certainly I'm sure there's some here. Well, the, the weird thing is th- that this, you know, because of the different stations that we have here in this building, you'll see somebody in the in the elevator every once in a while. Like I saw from Dick, The Bachelor. Dick Clark, one of the, you know, right before he passed away, Dick mm. Clark was in the building. Uh, he was walking around with Ryan Seacrest. Um, Remember when Vin Scully was here? Vin Scully was here. Uh I've met Eddie Money at the uh, uh, KLAC oh, telethon. Right. Eddie Money came through. And then Nick from The Bachelor was uh, 
was the most recent. I mean, we don't like to brag. He's not a celebrity, really. He's a, he's a friend. Of the show. <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, if I had met all of those, I would still be happiest to have met you two. Oh, my God. Oh, my See? God. See? See? You know? That's not going to last, Gary. So just enjoy it now. <laughs> well, because we haven't gotten into anything, so I still like you guys. So. <laughs> well, let's do this. When we come back, let's talk about the story that you were going to talk about anyway uh, okay. that you came in here to talk about the first Are you a sports fan at all, Corbin? I am. Which? Your teams? Which? Uh, football, basketball. Yes, yes, start, yes. We'll start with start. football. All right. So, well, I'm leaving the Cardinals because uh, I'm leaving L.A. And, you know, I'm glad. And I hope none of them are listening. So, I guess <laughs> football. I'm, I'm more of a uh, – uh, I follow players more than I follow teams. And I guess that's because I moved around so much and grew up with Jordan in, uh, in my years in Chicago. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I go from the Currys and, uh, you know, into the uh, Tom Brady's. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I'm not a I'm not a. We a don't person. hate excellence either. You know, and we were talking about this. Jordan never got the hate that Brady gets. He doesn't. No one ever said, oh, I don't want to see Michael Jordan play anymore. Oh, not Michael Jordan in the playoffs anymore. Right. Oh, not in the finals. I don't want to see Jordan. Why does Brady get that hate? But Jordan didn't. I don't know. I don't know. At some point, you just you 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 have to acknowledge the success. The numbers don't lie. They really don't. The cheating doesn't either, Corbin, does it? <laughs> That's just something for the haters. All right, more with Corbin when we come back. Gary and Channel will continue it. saying that's where you hit your pot no we're not gonna get into it gary and shannon <laughs> it's uh friday we've been talking with uh, corbin carson the newest member of our kfi team uh about all kinds of stuff uh but let's get into the story you uh you and steve actually were down in orange county yesterday what's going on down there well this is a, a amazing story uh so here's what happened i'll, I'll kind of break down the whole thing with uh for you starting from the beginning so last Friday, a uh, this this guy, cops tell me, uh, James Anthony Lawler, he showed up to a vacant lot, and there's a couple in a tent, in, a homeless couple in a tent in this vacant lot, and he's screaming, you guys got 20 minutes to get out of here, or I'm coming back with my fully loaded Glock. And so the guy, the, there's a male and a female in, in the tent. The guy sticks his head out of the tent, and uh, police say Lawler kicks him in the face twice and then runs off. And uh, uh, so the guy, you know, he, he, they zip back up their tent or whatever. And, and Lawler comes back, according to police, uh, several minutes later. He doesn't have a gun, but he does have a gas can. He pours gas, allegedly, onto the tent, lights it on fire, and then runs off again. Now, this couple barely gets out. The man, the man did have some minor injuries, police say, and, and, and that sort of thing. But here's where the story really gets interesting. So the the um, Santa Ana police are working on this in conjunction with Orange, Orange County fire investigators, and they a witness had snapped a picture of Lawler's truck, and you could see the, in the truck both the flames and the license plate, one of the new license plates with the uh, the black and the gold lettering, right. uh, I think like that. I, I don't think you can make out the actual license plate, but you can see that it's one of those license plates. And so while he's getting the story from the uh, the homeless couple, the investigator that is. Uh, from the Orange County fire uh, fire investigators, he uh, he hears this. Uh, I don't want you in my neighborhood. Comment, and he's thinking to himself, maybe this guy lives around here. So he takes it upon himself 
to uh, drive around the neighborhood looking for this black truck with this, you know, uh, stand, this identifier of the black license plate, gold, gold lettering, et cetera. So he, he finds the truck and uh, he doesn't do anything. He, he goes and looks up the guy's um, motor vehicle picture, puts that in, into a composite of other pictures to go get an ID, goes back to the victims. The victims or, or before he talks to uh, the, the homeless couple, the homeless couple comes out and says, hey, you know, I drew a sketch. Uh, 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 of this guy, and and, and you, we have this sketch up at kfiam640.com, but you you got to see this because it's it's googling. it's yeah googling. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a it's three sketches, and the first one you can see he's he's like you know I'm not happy with that. He scratches it out. The second one gets a little better, and the third one uh, the investigator thought you know kind of resembles the picture from this motor vehicle. Uh, the guy, at least that's what he told us. And so um, they, they go back, they, they grab the guy, they put him in a lineup, and uh, he matches the description, both from the homeless couple and uh, several witnesses that saw him in the area. And they pick him up and... Oh, wow. That's crazy. Isn't it? And, and, and the, uh, the, the Santa Ana police uh, that we talked to, Corporal Anthony Britannia, he tells me this is the first time they've had a victim <laughs> draw his own composite sketch. And and it caught the guy. I mean, and now and now you and do it well. I it mean, assuming just everybody like him, right? Everyone could potentially do it. It's just that this guy had some talent. Right, yeah, I had he was a little stick figure. Right. Yeah, that's it. This is him. He was wearing a hat. And There's going to be a feel good story about somebody giving him a job and some sort of uh, creative drawing capacity. It could be a courtroom sketch artist. We don't have enough of those anymore. No kidding. Anyway, so Lawler's uh, been charged with all kinds of stuff. Arson. Uh, he's got a. Uh, Threatening crime with intent to terrorize. Though I think it was the kicking in the face. And looks like um, a very angry young man. Yeah, the biggest one is attempted murder, though. So that's what he's been booked with. Not charged, but booked with. Attempted murder. That's crazy. Well, he burned the 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 the, the tent with them While inside. They were still They're inside still inside it. it. And this was just a, 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 he didn't have any connection to this empty lot necessarily. I mean, it was just a place that they were in his neighborhood. That's right? according to what he says. Yeah, that, or, or according to what authorities are telling me. Yeah, he did, there, there's no motive that investigators are still trying to track down. But uh, you know, we what we've heard from the accounts from the, the the homeless couple. If you're you know screaming, I don't want you in my neighborhood. That's yeah. you know the inference. That's great. All right, Corbin, thank you, and welcome, by the way. My pleasure. This was fun. You guys want me to hang out for the rest of the show? Kind of talk to. Yeah, I'm out of Sports and, uh, no, well, you have to no, no, stay. No, no. You can't oh. go. Oh. He's just asking if oh. you want him to stay. Also. Yeah. Yeah. No. She was always looking for the door. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fourth time I've had to tell her. No, no, no. We have to, <laughs> the show goes until 2 o'clock. All right. Uh, but, yes, you will find that this is by far the, the funnest show, and at times the stupidest show. Yep. On the entire radio station. Wow. Well, I mean, the other shows are fun, too. We don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, but not as consistently as we are. Oh. I mean, to be honest. I mean, we're just being honest here, right? Yeah. We don't want to start off by lying. I mean, I would say we're the smartest show. Oh, by far. I don't know about the most fun, but we're pretty, we're pretty smart. Our analysis is on point oh every God. time we do. It's like Westworld in here with analysis. That's how real it gets. Corbin, thank you. I don't report on opinion, so nice I have no comment meet. on nice any of the stuff nice you just to meet said. You. <laughs> All right, coming up next, everything everyone is talking about everywhere. We'll get you up to speed right here on Gary and Shannon. Not, you can't. Don't listen to it until after the alert comes down. You would have only gotten the scoop if you listened to the show, so you can't, right. you can't turn it away. You owe us now. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue right after this.
your dance moves are so sweet. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> I could just watch you dance to this whole song. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for you. <clears throat> it's like watching uh, Intervention or My 600-Pound Life. Is that what it's like? <laughs> Mr. Pimple Popper. Uh, Dr. Pimple Popper to you, lady. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, we told you about this in the beginning of the show. Wind Resorts shares took a tumble 8% after reports of decades-long pattern of sexual misconduct by CEO Steve Wynn. Now, the, the stuff that he is alleged to have done is, is really terrible. The way that he was treating manicurists and people who worked at the salons in his Vegas properties, uh, exposing genitals in short shorts, forcing them to have sex, not using a towel, telling them to take care of it when he was getting a massage, referencing his genitals. Um, but I don't really understand completely the, the stock tumble. And I'm wondering if now's the time to get into Win Resorts because Win Resorts is going to continue to make the cash. Whether or not this guy's Rev- junk is hanging out. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I think the the reaction to this, I mean, what what we see is is the basic reaction. It's not a fundamental problem within the company that's, you right. know, that's making money. It's, it's not the business model. No, it's just a <laughs> PR thing. And and I, I think that, that the 8% drop, 10% drop, wherever it ends up, that's about it. I People mean, aren't going to a- stop using this brand. You know, it's one thing if it's, um, you know, the Weinstein company and what pictures will they get to make following Harvey Weinstein, which is why that needs to be disassembled or at least rebranded, rebought the whole thing. But people that go to win casinos aren't going to stop going to win casinos. Are yeah, they? Because the guy's junk is hanging right. out. Now, it goes beyond that. It's not just his, his stuff hanging out of his Larry Bird shorts. He paid this woman, this manicurist who claims that he forced her into sex in his office one day. He paid her $7.5 million in a settlement. Again, not necessarily proof that something happened, but it does make you raise your eyebrows that if this did happen, he's paying $7.5 million to keep it quiet. And uh, for those who say something like, uh, I just you know didn't want to drag my family through the, the turmoil of a court case like this, my wife, my wife, I think would prefer I fight this in court than pay off seven and a half million dollars and pretend it didn't happen. Yes. But you also don't have more money than God like Steve Wynn. True. All right. A senior advisor to Hillary Clinton's 08 campaign was accused of repeatedly sexually harassing a young subordinate. And the report today is that Hillary Clinton refused to get rid of this guy. Oh boy. He was kept on at her request. Burns Strider. He was kept on. He was docked several weeks of pay, ordered to undergo counseling. The young woman was moved to a new job. <coughs> she, so she's fighting for women, huh? So, so, so people who wanted to vote for her because they believe... Uh, it's time for a woman president because she has a uterus. 
then she's fighting for women, right? Well, I never really bought that argument oh anyway because of the whole uh, – because of Bill Clinton. Right. And all the stuff that he got away with. And she – it was politically um, good for them to be in that marriage and for that marriage to last. It was a political thing. It was all about money and the Clinton Foundation and all that. So I never really bought her as a, a champion for women, unfortunately. I, I'd love for her to be, but I, did, I just didn't get that vibe. It's so – it's so gross. I mean, just the the things that you will stand up for for convenience sake or won't stand up for for convenience sake. And that's that's just too bad. Kevin Spacey's brother is talking about their dad. This is disgusting. First of all, his name is Randall Fowler. He's 62 years old. He says he's not surprised at the claims that Kevin Spacey has sexually assaulted Boys, underage men, underage men, underage boys. Uh, he said that their father was a white supremacist, a guy named Thomas Jeffrey Fowler, that dad abused Kevin Spacey for years in their house of horrors, and that Randall, the older brother who is also a Rod Stewart impersonator and a limo driver, was raped repeatedly by their father when he was about 14 years old. He's now a Rod Stewart impersonator. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what he does. He said that um, his dad would push him up. I'm not going to get too gross here. His dad would push him up against a wall. And mom would bang on the door and add, demand to know what's going on in there. And dad would tell him, if you say anything, I'll kill you. And then mom would walk away. Oh, God. Sounds absolutely lovely. Uh, James Franco is trending. He was um, photoshopped out of that Vanity Fair Hollywood issue cover. Hashtag who cares, right? Well, in the world of Vanity Fair and the people that love Vanity Fair, the Hollywood issue is a big deal. And usually it's this beautiful photo spread. I want to say Annie Leibovitz maybe does it, and it's Hollywood's royalty for that year or whatever. It's basically this year every guy who hasn't assaulted a woman, so it's Tom Hanks and Robert De Niro. <laughs> that cover has a bunch of problems, too, because— uh, Oprah has a third hand. Yeah, and Reese Witherspoon has, like, a third leg or something like yeah. that, so it's all messed up. Well, I, I saw that, and I get—you're right, Annie Leibovitz did it. They're all. I'm assuming they take all those pictures separately, right? I mean, most of them. I think Reese and Oprah are in an embrace, and Nicole Kidman is is leaning on Queen Oprah. But other than that, I think all of them are separate, and they Photoshop it together. Vanity Fair, by the way, says uh, we would have loved the exclusive on Reese Witherspoon's three legs. Unfortunately, it's just the lining of her dress. And as far as Oprah, how can we expect her to juggle it all with just two hands? <laughs> KFC has launched a new campaign featuring its first ever drumroll female Colonel Sanders. I hate this. I do too. I hate this for a couple of different reasons. Reba McIntyre. It's finger looking good. Okay. That's my that's my second problem with the new commercials will begin next week with her dressed in Colonel Sanders famed white suit, donning a mustache. Couldn't they have done it without, like, let her be without Colonel Sanders? No, let her be Colonel Sanders. But because Colonel Sanders could be a woman, right? It yeah. doesn't sure. have to be a man. Right. Like, why not do it that way Why instead? put her in drag? Yeah. 
Stop it. You know, there's going to be a backlash. I uh, already don't like fried chicken right now. I'm Colonel Sanders. Well, same as always. Absolutely nothing's changed. Oh, please ignore me like this. Famous country singer. That's enough of that. I like Rob Riggle when he was Colonel Sanders. Rob Riggle, Daryl Hammond. Yeah. People that look like Colonel Sanders. I don't know why they're switching through so many people. Norm MacDonald did a great one. George Hamilton was a great yeah. Colonel Sanders. I mean, the thing is, my neighbor was in the running to be a Colonel Sanders. I've never, you met my neighbor. Does yeah, he kind of really? look like Colonel Sanders? And yeah. Santa, right? He mm-hmm. does Santa Claus yeah. too. I never, ever, ever, ever want to hear a Reba McIntyre song. There's never a point in my life where <laughs> oh, I think I love, to myself, I, I, "Gosh, I, what I need now is Reba." I love Reba, but I just don't like her dressed as a man in a Colonel Sanders ad. Did, Did you, you watch her show or no, TV show? I'm only like I like her music. That has uh, Ipecac written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> my kids one time, you gotta they, love fancy. They swallowed stuff from under the kitchen sink, and I turned on Reba, and they both threw up. Oh, Gary Hoffman. Yes. You gotta, you gotta love a little. Does he love you? I don't know what that is, and I don't want to find He's, out what so that you're is. You're just ignorant of her music. You can't oh, say that. Oh, oh, seriously, you can't say you hate her music if uh, you don't know. Does he love you? I didn't say. That's not her music. Though. That's her singing, and that's all I need to know. No Reba. Stop it! Oh, this is a great one. There's a great, there's a great story behind this song. This is a duet between Reba and her backup singer, who she was close friends with. Linda Davis. Linda Davis. And they, he just left. Gary left. Um, Gary But anyway, I'm going to finish the story. Uh, they wanted to record this with like a Trisha Yearwood or something. And Reba said, no, Linda's perfect for this song. And she would not budge on it. She she thought that Linda should shine and get this gig as as the the, the duet. And so she won the argument. And this went on went on to be a huge hit for both Reba and Linda Davis. Linda had a little bit of a career after that. Yeah. But didn't really last. I love this song. Yeah. Mm. All right. More coming up when we come back. The most polarizing brands in America. Is Gary coming back? I don't know. It's unclear at this point. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Survivor, Gary. The baby girl. Now we've got to come back. Seriously. She just kept trying. She's just too hard headed. Everyone. All right, how about we oh my gosh, you should erase that. That is that's that is wrong to write that about Reba on the whiteboard. Let's give away some money here. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. <laughs> you spelled the F word wrong. I know. I didn't. I guess I don't write it that often. I kind of didn't realize I... Well, oh. I was trying to shorten it, I think. Something like that. Good times. Hey, uh, there is a uh, there is a new look at... The political leanings of a bunch of different things, sports leagues, um, networks, pizza chains. It's the it's the strangest 
It's the strangest but most enlightening survey I think I've seen in a while. It's done by Morning Consult. And I, I first of all, the sports leagues were what fascinated me. The net favorability of sports leagues and whether they lean Democratic or Republican. And the most polarizing are the NFL, NBA, and NASCAR. And when you look at these, the the NFL obviously draws attention because of the intersection of sports and politics that we've seen recently with the protest over the national anthem. I should say the protest during the national anthem. Um, But it's not the only sport that's been affected by these um, by by politics. The NBA has a net favorability that leans the way that they figured out 27 percent towards Democrats where you've got or point Democratic that is. 42% 42% net approval rating among Democrats, 15% net approval rating among Republicans. And there's a guy who is a professor of history of basketball, or I should say the history of sport in general, down at UC San Diego. Uh, blacks make up almost 75% of all players in NBA right now. And the political tone has been set because a lot of its big stars, I mean, a lot of the, the massive stars for the NBA happen to be black. And there have been NBA players and coaches who have come out and publicly, very publicly, criticized the president during his first year in office. So that, that's, that's one thing. But when you look at NASCAR, for example, it skews so far the other way. Where on NASCAR, it has a net favorability leaning 20 percentage points towards Republicans. Because right now, the net approval among the Republicans, it's at 38% versus 18% for Democrats. The... And they point to the the roots of NASCAR coming from the bootleggers who are running moonshine, et cetera, and trying to stay away from the cops and got to get across that county line. But uh, it's just it's weird that you've got this incredible dichotomy when it comes to the, the types of people, the political leanings of people and which sports they'll, in fact, watch. By the way, the one with the least amount of divisiveness. In uh, in sports in America, Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's got a 49% favorability rating uh, among Democrats and 53% among Republicans. Which is why I feel like it's going to have a resurgence. You know, it was only a couple of years ago. I was like, what are we going to do about baseball? Kids don't want to play baseball. And then came, you know, the, the, the protesting in the NFL games, which turned off some people to the point of not watching anymore. And I just think people are going to be going back to baseball because there's there's... Without controversy. And the other big thing is and you know what? the uh, shooting at the congressional baseball practice. Remember? People were amazed that Republicans and Democrats were actually practicing together. It's truly a sport. Well, they weren't practicing together. together. Yeah, it was were. the Republican practice. No. They were going to play the Democrats. Well, in my mind, when I wrote the story, right. when I wrote it in my head, mm-hmm. they were they were actually singing and, and embra- praying embracing. together and and praying about baseball mm-hmm. and stuff. That's okay. You remember how you want to remember it. I'm not here to, to change that. Coming up, we're you know what? We're not going to have the rule that we can bring toys in on Friday if you keep hitting me with that. I'm. Swamp Watch. Swamp Watch when we come back. We'll get into (laughs) politics. What's going on in Washington, D.C.? That's coming up next. Idiots. Gary and Shannon will continue, probably. 
drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon. In a few minutes, Serena Marshall is going to join us. We're going to talk about what's going on with this immigration plan that the president has been floating. We got some of the details uh, released last night. And uh, by early next week, we're expecting the full-fledged plan to be offered up to Congress for uh, for discussion. Uh, but Serena is going to join us and talk more about what uh, what is in this plan and how it's different than what we had seen in the past. Well, the president broke with precedent by delivering a speech at the World Economic Forum there in Davos, saying that America first is not America alone. America is open for business and we are competitive once again. He made a good point. Uh, his basic premise for the speech was, a, a strong America uh, is better for everyone. And it's, it seems to be very clear. I mean, if we have been for a very long time the economic engine that has been sort of the savior for the world economy for a long time, that, that's, that's true, although it's not as much a part of the world economy as it used to be. Or uh, I should say that there are other economies that are booming right now as well that could pick up the slack if ever we – sort of slowed down a bit he stuck to his script he read the entire speech from a teleprompter did not go off message once he sounds a little sleepy sometimes when he does that the world is witnessing the resurgence of a strong and prosperous america i'm here to deliver a simple message there has never been a better time to hire to build, to invest and to grow in the united states he does sound sleepy but you know international travel is Tiring. He's not 25. Uh, no. International travel when you're flying coach at a LAX is tiring. No, the, the time change. International travel when you're flying an Air Force One is like it's staying not about, in a hotel. It's not about the flight, though. I mean, the time change can take its effect on you and more so as you age. Uh, he talked about. Why do you always say it like that? What? What do you mean? Because you said people your age. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I said as oh, you age, maybe, maybe the time it. change can be more difficult to adjust to. Maybe I'm a little touchy. You're not old. You're 45 for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. I almost just said for something's sake. <laughs> and I caught myself at the very last moment. God, as I age, those are going to oh, come out, I, I tell you. I can't wait. Um, but the president... <laughs> Did talk about, we and we've reported on this show, companies that are taking the tax cuts, the corporate tax rate cut, and they seem to be giving back. Now, we've, or I've labeled it as them taking advantage of the corporate tax rate as a PR stunt, you know, giving $1,000 or raises to every Home Depot worker that's worked there for 20 years or something. It doesn't cost them very much, but the PR they get is worth it, right? And the president talked about all the companies doing this, and he says that the cascade of bonuses, the president said, has been, has been like a, a big, beautiful waterfall. <laughs> I don't know why that's a strange descriptor, but uh, okay. Trickle-down economics, by the way, and you can look at the research. It, it might help in the short term with in the form of these bonuses and things, but long term, it's it would be great if it worked the way that it's supposed to work, that enthusiasts want it to work but historically that's not been the case um there's a story all of uh, out of cnn as well that uh, donald trump may be at odds with general john kelly as chief of staff 
This is, and again, the headline on their story on the CNN website is Trump at odds with Kelly as familiar pattern unfolds. We know that 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 President Trump can get on. Well, what's the word? Can see the negatives in people. We know that. So this idea that now he's at odds with John Kelly is not a new thing. And everybody loves the idea that if he uh, if he is in a fight with somebody, they're going to tell us. Just hours away from taking off uh, Washington in Washington for the World Economic Forum, the president stands up from his desk, walks out of the Oval Office, makes his way to John Kelly's office, and then interrupts what John Kelly is doing. John Kelly, I guess, had some reporters in there, and they were talking about immigration. He's in the middle of a story when the president enters the, the room to the surprise of reporters and White House staff. It's rare for a president to just walk into somebody's office like that. And usually if the president wants to talk to you, he just says, hey, get your A in here. And this impromptu press conference set off a scramble inside the White House press shop. And they don't know, was what the president just said on the record? Was he, is what he said true? Do we have to wait for it to be confirmed by a press secretary? Whatever it is. He then gets on Air Force One and allows... I shouldn't say allow, requires that John Kelly stay behind so that he can clean up whatever's going on on this immigration reform issue. So they make this, they describe this as a flare up as a, uh, the, the sign of perhaps some friction between John Kelly and President Trump as opposed to just an impromptu meeting. The president went to Washington with the goal of draining the swamp, which is why we birthed Swamp Watch. Ah, yes. But it looks like lobbying activity is way up in Washington. Went up to $3.34 billion last year. That's highest level since 2010. It's corporations, trade groups, other special interests scrambled to get their say in on the tax legislation, on immigration policy, you name it. thought that was going to be outlawed. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the National Association of Realtors spent the most money to shape policy in 2017. Do you look at lobbyists like like a lot of people look at lawyers? Just think they're. I mean, there's a it depends lot on of what money to be made get, as a lobbyist. Yeah, well, depends who you're lobbying for. I guess. Yeah. Um, just a side note, we know that the State of the Union address is coming up on Tuesday. We're going to carry it live, obviously, here on KFI. But we now know the Democrats have chosen Congressman Joe Kennedy III of Massachusetts to deliver the Democratic response. They made the announcement today, uh, or I should say late last night. He is serving his third term in the House already. He's only 37 years old. Elizabeth Guzman of Virginia will deliver the Spanish-language response to Trump's speech. And I don't know who is going to deliver the French response or the German response or whatever you have their response. That's all. Coming up next, immigration guidelines swirling around the swamp. Serena Marshall will join us and tell us all about what's being considered in D.C. Gary and Shannon will continue. Yeah. 
Gary and Shannon on this Friday, January 26, 2001. These are Flashback Friday year. First year of the uh, original XFL. And a little bit later next hour, we're going to talk about the new XFL that's coming along. Thanks to Vince McMahon once again. Serena Marshall joins us now to talk about immigration guidelines floating around the swampy swamp swamp. Yeah, Serena, the White House released some information last night uh, about what they are looking at. What's in this uh, what's in this new release, this new information? Gary Shannon, this is what they're calling an immigration framework, and it's what they want in order to get uh, to pathway. They're offering a pathway to citizenship for dreamers in order to get their border wall. And so what is in this framework is that those are the, the, the big points is they will give 1.8 million undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children a, a pathway to citizenship, but in exchange for $20 billion to fund construction of that border wall that the president wants and an additional $5 billion in additional security measures. But at the same time, they're saying that they want this plan to include significant cuts to family-based migration and an end to that so-called visa lottery system. And because of those big changes, the 1.8 million, and those requirements on the other side of immigration, you're seeing both the left and the right rail against this plan. It's united them against this framework. Well, what is, what's the left problem with it? Well, the left are saying that this is un-American, that not just cutting uh, immigration, but cutting family-based migration as well, only allowing you to sponsor your children and your spouse instead of being able to sponsor your parents or your brother or sister as well. And an end to the visa lottery system would reduce immigration overall in the country by 50 percent, and that they're using DACA or those DREAMers as a bargaining chip to uh, see an overhaul of the entire U.S. immigration system. And that's something when they sat down in that bipartisan meeting at the White House, they said would maybe come later. But we always knew the president wanted these things. But to have them so extreme, the Democrats are saying and the pro-immigrant groups are saying uh, that this is, they're calling it hateful, un-American. Some of those press releases said, Statue of Liberty is weeping. Well, what are the chances, and of course you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, is, is there any likelihood that the president pulls back the Dreamers, the DACA deal, uh, because they won't go along with this greater scheme? Well, it's a, always a possibility. It's like you said, there's no crystal ball here in Washington to really see how this will play out. But the problem that the White House is facing is less coming from the Democrats than his own party. You have people like Senator Ted Cruz from Texas saying he won't support anything that includes a pathway to citizenship, let alone one for 1.8 billion undocumented immigrants. And, I mean, Breitbart yesterday when this framework was released, it had the headline Amnesty Dawn. And so he's getting pushback from his own party on this as well, especially because that 1.8 million number is so great, much greater than the current number of DACA recipients of around six, seven hundred thousand. Wow. I'm just I this does this change at all early next week? Because we heard the original White House uh, statement was that they would have early next week more of these details fleshed out. Can they change this, do you think, before they give it up to Congress? Well, we were expecting these details to come out on Monday, and they were supposed to go up to Capitol Hill and have a meeting at the White House with Dems and Republicans about this framework and how do they want to see it move forward. As of right now, we're getting mixed signals on if that meeting is even still happening. DHS says it's a scheduling issue. Senator Durbin's uh, aide has said that that meeting was canceled. So it's not even clear if now that we've seen the framework, if that meeting on Monday will go forward. But remember, you guys, they're facing a ticking time bomb on this. They have not just the government, potentially another government shutdown, because that extension only went three weeks, but you have that DACA deadline in March as well. 
All right, Serena, thank you. Thank you. Serena Marshall there with the latest on what's going on with the immigration deal. As it stands, uh, the president is offering that citizenship path to uh, 1.8 million immigrants. Uh, The other big story out of Washington, D.C. today was broken by the New York Times, where they said that they have uh, four people close to the matter who say the president ordered the firing of special counsel Robert Mueller back in June of last year. Not huge news in that we have heard whispers of this for some time, and there were questions about whether or not it was even it would be legal for the president to do so. The president wanted to get rid of Jeff Sessions because he wouldn't make this go away. Of course, he's going to want to get rid of Bob Mueller. Uh, But whether he formerly tried is, I guess, the question on the table. And I don't think he did. I think that it was a conversation he had with one of his lawyers. And he said, can't you get rid of this guy? Fire this guy. And he was like, no, 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 Mr. President. I will quit before I do that. And that's when the president was like, all right, never mind. I'm not going to fire him. It yeah. was just kind of like, the, what can we do about this situation? It's bugging me. This investigation into Russia collusion and obstruction of justice is a thorn in my side. I want to get rid of it. Can't we fire someone to get rid of it? The, and the, the way the New York Times did it, I think in their fourth or fifth paragraph, they said the pre, they described it as the president's order, that he ordered Don McGahn, then White House counsel, to ask Justice Department to fire Robert Mueller. And that didn't happen because... McGahn was the one who said that he would uh, quit instead of doing that. Uh, I won't do that. In fact, I will quit if you make me do it. So it's I don't know where they jumped to the conclusion that it was an order as opposed to, like you said, just an interrogative. Hey, is there a way that I could do this? The president was in uh, or is in Davos, Switzerland. And when he was asked about it, he said, it's all fake news, folks. Fake news, typical New York Times, fake stories. But he didn't specify, because he never does, which part of it was fake. I mean, did he have the conversation with Tom again about getting rid of Robert Mueller? Or did it go so far as to an actual directive to do so that he only took off the table once Don began tried to or threatened to quit as opposed to doing that? So coming right. up in the one o'clock hour, florists have been flooded with white rose requests. In the entertainment industry, we'll tell you why, what's going on with that. Mo on the Movies joins us. We'll take a look at what's coming out this week. And the XFL, challenging the NFL or a nothing like the last time the XFL graced us with its presence. (laughs) Great. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Big report today from the Wall Street Journal reporting allegations that billionaire CEO Steve Wynn, head of Wynn Resorts, has engaged in sexual misconduct over many years. He talked to more than 150 women, women who worked in the massage, the the salons at the Wynn Properties um, that were masseuses, um, women who were manicurists, who have all said that he was out of control with his behavior, forcing genital massages. Um, He would um, expose his genitals to them when he was getting manicures and pedicures through his short shorts. He was forcing women to have sex with him, even though they would talk about their husband and children. 
I don't get this guy. I don't understand the game. I'm not. How come I don't? I know why. I don't have $4 billion. Yeah, but if you did, would you ever show your genitals like that? Show me, show me your genitals. genitals. Your genitals. What? Show me your genitals. Genitalia. Probably not. And I say probably like, not. Hey, I mean, how about this? I mean, we're, we're talking about, about hypotheticals like... Like I have four, I just stumble into four billion dollars. Maybe you lose a little bit of your sanity at that point. So maybe, uh, maybe it does fall out a lot. I don't know. The allegations against Steve Wynn were brought up actually in court. It was pretty, it was referenced in a lawsuit when his ex-wife was trying to lift the restrictions on the sale of her stock so that she could actually make some money on it. And attorneys for him in this court filing admitted it, he made a personal payment to this manicurist who had accused him of sexual misconduct, sexual assault specifically. He paid a manicurist $7.5 million to settle the matter out of court and promise, uh, and with promises, of course, that no one would ever talk about it. Court, ru- court records in the suit are heavily redacted. And the spe- specifics of the allegations, the size of the settlement, those are new today in the, Wall- in the Wall Street Journal. And beyond all of this, the Wall Street Journal said that they talked to, what was it, 150 different people who have worked at these casinos and told of behavior that cumulatively would amount to decades-long pattern of sexual misconduct. Some describing him pressuring employees to performing sex acts. For example. <clears throat> and I take no joy in explaining these stories, but one former massage therapist at the Wynn in Las Vegas said that several years ago, he was booking multiple appointments each week with her in a private massage room that's in his office suite. You know anybody who's got a private massage office in their suite, in their office suite? Hmm. No, I think on the I outside, think Robin, Robin had a, a small room attached to her office and they turned it into the HR office. I'm just trying to think of people who have like s- enough space for yeah, it, like right? side rooms, side offices. Those are those are the, the mega money people. Though. Well, and, they all have. and our guys upstairs, the big head honchos, oh, they have yeah. glass walls. And I bet that's not a that's not a coincidence. I oh, bet more I even... companies are moving towards that. As opposed to the uh, Roger Ailes uh, locked wood massive door. With a guard out in front, sworn to secrecy. This this massage therapist said that he would book these multiple appointments in his private massage room in the office suite. And he would continually adjust a towel to expose himself. And then at one session, she said, he just threw it off and said, just get this thing off me. She said that he wouldn't let her use a towel to cover his genitals after that, contrary to state licensing regulation, and also began rubbing her leg while she was massaging him. A few weeks uh, after a few weeks, Steve Wynn instructed her to uh, finish the job, I guess, one way to put it, and told her, don't ignore it anymore. You know, Steve Wynn is in Vegas. He has access probably to the best hookers around. Why not hire a woman for sex if that's what you want? Why victimize the poor women who work for you in your salons and masseuse and masseuses who are under your employ? 
why wouldn't you just pay for sex at that point instead of victimizing people? The answer is because it was more convenient for him to schedule a massage, right? He doesn't care about these women. They're all interchangeable. It's a it's, it's a really power sad. thing. It's it's at yeah. that point more of a power thing yeah. than a sexual thing. Like if I want you to touch that, I can make you. I don't know what you're pointing at. No, not you. Just the you know. Is that? Oh, thank you. It's you. better that way to keep it random. Um, this massage therapist says she didn't tell anyone what happened at the time because she was embarrassed. She's still trying to deal with the incident emotionally. She did tell a colleague in a general way that Steve Wynn had been inappropriate, but that's about it. She said she offered advice to the massage therapist but didn't mention Steve Wynn has also made advances toward her while she was massaging him in the office's private massage room. That that he would remove the towel then, and she massaged the front of his thighs. He would tell her to go higher. And she said she told him this made her uncomfortable, and when she refused to do it, his requests for massages became less frequent. Well, good. Yeah, you don't pay out $7.5 million when, Be- when nothing happens. Because you engaged in, in uh, unwelcome conversation? Because you're just uh, you're just upset at that point. Uh, yeah. Hey, look who's here. Hey! Mo Kelly, fresh haircut and everything. Yeah, Thank you. Did I come at a bad time? No. no. You came at a great time. I came in and pointing at and, uh, payments. and <laughs> Steve I'm... Wynn. Have you read the stuff about Steve Wynn? Yeah. Are you shocked at all? Not at all. No. You mean men I of just, power abusing it? Well, that's the thing. Allegedly. There's so many men of power that abuse it. I don't know when we see an end to these stories, or do we just lose our appetite for them and they don't get reported, or what, what happens? I, I don't see an end in sight. I don't see an end. I just see a temporary movement as far as how much we care. We care a lot right now, but it won't, I don't think, in the long view, will change I anything. guess I just don't understand the what seems like pervasive thought among these men that to take out their genitals is a move. You know what? I liken it to young men who I would see grab a woman in a club and say, psst, psst, come here, come here. And I would think, how in the hell is that helping you with that woman? And then someone pulled me aside and said, you know what? It must have worked at some point. That's what Gary says. It only has to work once for you to believe that it's going to work again. Even if, you know, the first 20 times you tried it, it didn't work. The 21st time it did, you got 40 other times it didn't. You're still going back to that one time. And there are no consequences, clearly. That's why they keep doing it. So Harvey Weinstein, at one point in his life, took out his genitals and it got him where he wanted to go. Yeah. Gross. Basically. You guys are so gross. Wait a minute. Oh, hold, hold on. <laughs> I, had Slow to down. This, I had to do this last night. No, Those guys. We, we had this conversation with our daughter t- last night. Um, in general, we were talking about the Larry Nasser story and how this former doctor victimized, I mean, I think it was 169 victim impact statements that were read. However many, I mean, the number is far greater than that, whatever it is. And that in some instances, he victimized these girls with her, with their parents in the room or mom in the room. I mean, just it's a devastating thing. We're talking to our 15 year old daughter about all of this and saying you're, you know, trying to empower her with the knowledge of it's okay to come to us with uncomfortable things. You know, it's it's okay for even if we're there or if it's a friend or a family member that you don't want to make angry 
if you're uncomfortable, there's a reason for it, you know, and you you have good gut reaction to it. Uh, and my wife, in a blanket statement like that, said, men are disgusting animals. And I had to say, wait a minute. Well, hold on. Some men are disgusting animals. That's important. I think you you need to make that distinction. Otherwise, young people and just adults alike go around believing that because a man because someone is a man or a woman for that matter right. that they're going to act a certain way. No, there is such a thing as right and wrong and we do know the difference between both. Yeah. And we're trying to get my daughter to feel comfortable that it, if she had to she could come to me and say something. But she I can't lump me in with the rest of the bad guys doing the bad stuff. <sighs> Right. Are you guys done mansplaining hey. how great you are? Let's talk about some movies. <laughs> Welcome to Mo on the Movies. <laughs> See? It's a... Oh, Red. Oh, Red. We gotta take Don't that be out. ridiculous, yeah. darling. <laughs> it's Mo on the Movies. See? Kiss me. Not a chance. He's mansplaining. And he said... And then he said, kiss me. No. Yeah. Did she uh, say it or did he say it? Time's up on that, uh, on that intro. I'll tell you that right now. Time's up. Mm. You too, huh? <laughs> Mo. She says that every day when she walks into the office. She walks in, slumps her shoulders, and goes, <sighs> hashtag me too. That is so not the case. <clears throat> we got uncomfortable here. Yeah, it did yeah. get Mo, mm, talk to me about movies. Hey, can... you don't go, you, whatever you No, I was just going to say, I keep seeing these stories that movie theaters are not going to go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm thinking like brought what the hell by, are you reading? Brought to you by AMC. Right. Theater. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, are you trying to defy all logic, yeah. common sense? It's all put it this way, not to make it political. When someone says that movie theaters are not going away, I think the same thing when someone says coal is not going away. Right. Or eight track tapes are are here to stay forever. Even like CDs. It's right. like we're, we're moving in a certain direction. Let's not deny the obvious. Well, there's something to be said about the experience of going to a movie theater, and I think it probably holds a much more romanticized um, uh, place in people's hearts if you're over the over a certain age. You're mm-hmm. over the age of maybe 50 or 60. Going to the movie theater was a much bigger deal. For my kids, they could care less about uh, because physically going to the Because their entertainment is in their hand. True, and, and I think... I mean, I I think the last movie that my 18-year-old son saw in the movie theater was The Force Awakens. And it was because because you wanted to go see it. And I took him, and Mm -hmm. we went early in the morning, and we saw it the first day it opened. That was the – no, I take that back. It's true. We did see Rogue One in the movie theater. It's true. When you go to the theater – or maybe it's just because I go to the matinees a lot. But you don't see a lot of kids. It's generational. The same argument was made for newspapers and books in the sense of I like the feel of turning the pages. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of a newspaper in my hands. Well, that's nice, but it still did not change the arc of where our economy was headed. Yeah. I. It is funny, though. This huge bet, uh, Stephen Wilmot wrote a piece, Regal Entertainment is being taken over by a smaller European company, uh, and that they are betting that movie theaters are not going away. Okay, but it's still a bad bet. You'd have to fundamental, fundamentally reinvent that experience. Now, they've been trying to add to it in terms of the types of seating and, and the accoutrement. You have someone bring you a drink to your seat and everything to enhance the overall experience. But I don't think that that changes where we're going. I feel like they're going in the wrong direction, too. The way to get people back into the seats at the movie theaters is price. 
yeah. and they keep going up because they keep adding to the experience. Well, but taken away a little bit. I mean, majority of people will go back to the movie theaters if they're not paying ten dollars a person, or you know, you mean twenty. $20 yeah. in some places. But yeah. you got to offer something. I would say you have to offer something that the home experience cannot. Between theater, uh, surround sound, and having our own very comfy couches and chairs to sit in, and also this high-definition TV, I don't know how uh, a movie theater, as it's presently constructed, can uh, top that on any level. Yeah, you can, because the technology in the movie theater itself, we've kind of peaked. You know, it looks the, better the, on my screen at home than it does in a movie theater. Right, and it's not going to get any better at the movie theater. It, at home, you could go 4K. Yeah. CES this year, they were doing uh, 8K televisions and things like that. So it's going to get ridiculously good. But the sound, we've peaked with the sound systems in these movie theaters. We've peaked with the delivery system of the digital pro- projectors and things like that. So that part of it's not going to get any better. The moment you train all audiences to pay for in a, a release when it is actually released. In other words, if we could pay to download this movie in the way we have pay-per-view for uh, Saturday Night Fights, the moment that the industry sees that we'll pay for that, movie theaters are done. Most people would pay. I would pay to see a movie like The Force Awakens, not The Last Jedi, but The Force Awakens <laughs> the day it's released, and I would pay 20 to $25 to see that. Right away. But then you could also bring in your neighbors and your friends and, you know, you and your family sit there and watch it. Instead of paying 120 bucks to go to the theater, like you said, you're paying 20 bucks at a pop yeah. it's, or 20 bucks for the whole thing. So, all right. We're talking with Mo Kelly about some movies. We have $1,000 to get you into one of those movies. Here's how you can win. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword luck to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's luck to 200-200. What's coming out this week? Anything good? Well, it's almost February, so there will be very few movies which are actually very good. Okay. Out. This is the These are the dog days. This is the days. dead time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you see like a big blockbuster or seemingly blockbuster around this time of year, that means they already know it's not very good, with the exception of an event piece like Black Panther, which has been scheduled not to run into other Marvel movies. Right. But if if, if it's a one-off, you know. Uh, one of the movies coming out this week is Maze Runner, The Death Cure. As I was saying. And this, <laughs> this is uh, the... I want to, I you know what, that's a see something, say something crowd right there. Like, there should be some security officials... At the door of that theater for people who buy tickets to go see that. And, and the, just just do uh, go through some basic questioning. This is the third movie in a trilogy, and you're releasing it in late January. That means it's trending down. Yeah. Yeah, they knew right after. The first one I, I, I enjoyed. I liked the first one. I the, really did. And we read the books. As a family, we all read the book, um, at least the first one. I enjoyed it. It was one of those great. It was a clear um, homage, perhaps, to the Hunger Games. But... They did a good job with it, and the movie—I mean, the movie—played up that uh, that creativity very well. Here is a, a clip from the Death Cure, Maze Runner, the Death Cure. They took you because you're immune to a plague that's wiping out the human race. They think you're worth sacrificing to find a cure. I don't know. Um, they could have told this story in two movies, I think. Wait, yeah. what am I getting profiled as again? What are you talking about? Because um, I'll totally go do- and see it. Oh, just seeing how you're doing in your life. So I mean, for buying a ticket to Maze Runner, why am I going to get profiled, though? 
Just what what is it what does it hint at? That maybe you don't have enough going on. <laughs> oh, you don't well, know anything about that. movies. Yeah. Yeah, my Saturdays are pretty much just, yeah. I mean, We're going to fix that this year. If I go and watch a movie at 2 p.m. on a Saturday, I think that pretty much speaks for itself, This is it? my February resolution. Okay. Wait a minute. What happened to the resolution to see Escape from New York? That did not make the resolution list. That was a promise you made. Okay, I will watch it this weekend. Yep. This weekend also you a promise yourself, that you've right? made before. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, and the other one I think is getting a lot more, um, uh, a lot more critical acclaim is the movie Hostiles, directed by Scott Cooper, of course, Christian Bale, Adam Beach. Um, it's a it's a western. Guess what? Uh, a lawman doesn't like Indians and then befriends one. I'm totally guessing just based on the uh, on the trailer. I've killed savages because that's my job. You have no idea what war does to men. This will be done, and it will be done by you. Um, yeah, Captain Joseph Blocker is has made a career of genocidal slaughter, which has left him bitter but not remorseful. And it's it sounds like Batman set in the old west, hence the Christian Bale. Yeah, <laughs> where is she? Yeah, uh, they're joined by Rosamund Pike's character, Rosalie Quaid, whose family was slaughtered by Comanches. So it's just this strange thing. He he has to escort the the colonel. I'm sorry, the captain has to escort one of his old enemies, a dying Cheyenne chief named Yellowhawk, to his ancestral lands up north. Uh, everybody knows that they are going to, you know, at one point face danger together and form a team. You know, the reluctant team. It it, it sounds like the Magnificent Seven on a certain level. Yeah, this reluctant team. Yeah. Um. Christian Bale is great. I think he's a great actor when he does the things that matter, and this could be one of those things. But this is a classic example from where from where I sit of no new stories being told, just different storytellers changing a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But everything feels derivative and reminiscent of something we've already seen. Yes, uh, one of the because uh, we're old. Let's go back for a second. Some of these other notes from Hollywood. Old. You mentioned um, Black Panther coming out. I, February 16th is the mm-hmm. release date, so it'll be Valentine's Day, or not Valentine's Day weekend. It'll be President's Weekend, I believe, mm-hmm. President's Day. So you've got an extra long weekend. You've got the first big movie of the year coming out and highly, highly anticipated on top of that. And there's no other big offering to compete against it. Until probably May, yeah. right? So this thing is going to sit atop the box office for some time. Uh, they're saying, according to early pre-release surveys, the Hollywood Reporter expects somewhere between 100 and 120 million dollar opening weekend. That is insanity. Can we talk about Mission Impossible Six for a second? Sure, why not? Who's tired of Tom Cruise in this? I'm not tired of Tom Cruise. <laughs> I just don't know that the series of Mission Impossible is worthy of a sixth movie. Just like Transformers wasn't worthy of a fifth movie. I actually am a Tom Cruise fan and appreciate him in just about everything he does because he does his own stunts and he does types of movies which appeal to me. But Mission Impossible 6 with those character arcs don't seem like they're really going anywhere. I don't know how many times you can save the world as a spy by yourself without the help of the government. Would this Will this be the last one? Probably. 
I don't know. With I him? said that with with um, Fast and Furious after the fourth or fifth movie. Yeah. <laughs> and we're looking at number nine. Right. So if if look, a hit cures everything. If this movie is a hit in ways that they did not expect, then of course you can expect more movies in in the vein of Fast and Furious afterward. I'm not so sure that this is going to be the one which turns the the franchise in a different direction. But I'm not tired of Tom Cruise to answer your question. I'm not tired of Tom Cruise, but in this role, I just feel like it's time for him to maybe move on to the a, su- a supervisor's position or something like maybe that. Maybe the August of his life. No, you know? and uh, not he's be- at the Harrison Ford time where Harrison Ford oh, yeah, stopped being the lead. He was like the complimentary lead. He was being uh, cast up there uh, opposite think like Liam Hemsworth or someone like I, that. I still think Tom Cruise could be the lead and carry a, a movie. And he, like you said, I like him and everything he does. Um, but, uh, I just, I guess the action role, and we've talked about it before, right. guy, aging guys and action roles. But this is just like the Maze Runner in the sense of the Maze Runner is not trying to appeal to this, to me, to you, to Gary. They're trying to appeal to the Blakes of the world. Okay. No disrespect to Blake, <laughs> yes. or at least not a so, lot of disrespect to I'm Blake. I'm good. I'm Rather all right. disparaging way. I don't think Blake uh, feels uh, disrespect. We, we, not too often, no. Yeah. We have up on the website the 27 worst movies ever made, according to the Razzies. I just wanted to read to you the top 10 because I think they're pretty fun. Uh, again, top worst movies ever made based on the Razzies, which are the uh, Raspberries, you know, bad acting awards. Number 10 was Mommy Dearest. I'm not so sure I agree with that. Uh, number I nine. loved Mommy Dearest. Right. Number nine. I thought Faye Dunaway was over the top in a good way. Strip tease. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, that was our introduction that was, to. Uh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so scared. No. Oh. Demi Moore. Oh, Showgirls. Yes, was the Elizabeth Berkeley one. It's on the list. Yeah, hold, yeah, hold it's your, on hold the your thought. Oh, okay. Uh, the Lonely Lady is number eight. Never heard of it. Uh, 1984. Uh, Bolero. Yeah. Was number seven. Yeah. G. Lee was number six. Yes. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part Two. Damn very right. specific. Showgirls, there she is. Number four. I like that though. Battlefield Earth was number three. Mm-hmm. And wasn't that just like a big uh Scientology ad, the whole thing? It was, but it was a bad one. <laughs> uh number two, I Know Who Killed Me with Lindsay Lowen. Oh, and God. number one. Jack and Jill, starring Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler. What was that about? It's, oh, he, he plays his sister, I think. It's him. It's a character that Adam plays. He's trying as to be Adam Medea Sandler, or something. And he plays his own sister in the whole thing. You've never seen Medea, then, right? Oh, I have. I like those movies. Okay. <laughs> Mo, thank you. Thank you for having me. You can hear the Mo Kelly Show Saturday and Sunday nights, six to eight, right here on the KFI. Oh, and very quickly, if I could just promote this, I had a great conversation with music legend Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, you really? wrote that on Facebook. And it's only for online enjoyment. We have it up at KFIAM640.com right now, or you can go to uh, iHeartRadio. You'll be able to find it. But it's a great conversation with a music legend. He has a performance coming up, a few coming up in California. But I don't want to spoil all the surprise. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Mo. When we come back. Jason Nathanson is going to join us talking about music we're going to talk about the uh, Grammys coming up this weekend and how it is that white roses are going to play a huge role in this week's uh, this weekend's ceremony. Hashtag slacktivism. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue.
Shannon. Friday. A little bit of time left before John and Ken come up. This weekend, the Grammy Awards. They'll be at uh, New York City, Madison Square Garden, broadcast uh, coast to coast. And uh, we're going to see a bunch of musical performances, etc. But in the backdrop of all of this, all of the awards shows that we're seeing, movie, TV, uh, now music, of course, going to be the, uh, what would you call it, the protest or the acknowledgement of mm. a new movement. Before we get to that movement, um, I just wanted to say Steven Tyler, by the way, in the building yesterday, and I saw on Louis G's uh, Instagram that oh, he was like, from Big Boy's Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, look who was in the building today. And I said, do you mind if I take a picture with you? And Steven Tyler said to him, well, that's what I'm here for. I'd be mad if you didn't. Like, he's just oh, a super cool guy. That's very cool. Yeah. Speaking of super cool I love guys, those stories. Jason Nathanson, uh, who covers a lot of the entertainment world for us, uh, do you have a Time's Up pin? Do I, I do not. Oh. Is it what, is, does that say something bad about me? I'm a journalist, I'm impartial. So I'm not for sexual harassment. I'm not against it. I'm well, right I'm not sure you really want to go down that road, but <laughs> I think uh, – all right, so the Grammys this weekend. First of all, before we get into the politics side of this, yeah. what can we expect for the Grammys coming up on Sunday? We can expect a lot of nominations from Jay-Z. Uh, he has eight going into it, and he has the most. We can expect a lot of wins possibly for rap and R&B, which, you know, the Grammys have been pop and rock-focused for a long time, at least when it comes to the winners. Uh, and you have, you know, Beck surprising people and winning stuff, Adele last year beating Beyonce, things like that. But this year, uh, the Grammys not, and the nominees are really reflecting what people are buying. Because you remember, last year for the first time ever, R&B and rap passed rock, surpassed rock in, in terms of sales. And so we've seen that reflected in the Grammy nomination. So you got a lot of Kendrick Lamar, you have a lot of Jay-Z, a lot of Bruno Mars, uh, Childish Gambino, guys like that up for the album of the year category. Uh, the only pop-ish act is Lord. Um, so in that category, we're probably going to see a, a RB or a rapper win. These are one. This is one of the the, or I should say, it is the most confusing awards ceremony because there are things like best record, uh, best song, and. Can you describe the difference between the two? It seems like every year we have to go through this. Yeah, the easiest way to remember it is song of the year is a songwriter's award. So that goes to the people who wrote the actual award. Record of the year is really what you would think of as song of the year. That goes to the person who sang it, the performer of the song. Does that make sense? Yes. To help you out there, and then album is the entire album. And then for... album is the whole the whole thing. That's the that's the big one. That's best picture for the Grammys is album of the year. Do you think that there will be a time where we stop uh, we stop giving out the album of the year award simply because people consume music differently than we did twenty years ago? They really do, and, and almost every music event I talk to, whoever it is, about that, the fact that, you know, are you putting out an album? Most people want, they put out singles now, or they put out an EP, which is, you know, five songs or, or, or less, the thought of a whole album. But this is, remember, uh, it was it's honoring the artistry of music, and albums are still seen as, as that. You have a common theme, or you have something to say, and a lot of these albums do, like Jay-Z's 444 or Kendrick Lamar's Damn, there's a theme running through them. Uh, there, there's there's a thoughtfulness put to in, in how you arrange the tracks. So I think that's going to be around for a while, whether it's the big names in those categories, though. You know, 10 years from now, Taylor Swift might just be putting out song here, song there, song there. You can buy a Me Too pin on Amazon for about a dollar, Jane Att. 
Okay, uh, good to you know. If you want a Time's but, Up pin, it's about 549. Hmm. But you'll be out of fashion if you do that here. People will be wearing them, but the cool thing to wear, the accessory you want, is a white rose. That at the Grammys, the white rose is going to signify, hey, you're down with Time's Up. You're, you know, on the side of the women there and you're supporting them. And it's interesting here in the, in the music world, we've seen in the TV and film world a lot of casualties when it comes to this movement, right? Big names like Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein. Well, yeah, the Matt only Lauer. two guys Vanity Fair could find to put on their Hollywood issue cover was uh, Tom <laughs> Hanks and Robert De Niro. Right, and those are going to be the only guys left in Hollywood. Though yeah, I think there might be something coming out about one of those guys. I'm not really? Wait, um, stop no, it. No, I'm kidding. No, it's a joke. It's a joke. Is it just a joke? It's just a joke. Please don't say Tom Hanks did anything it's wrong just, ever. Nobody, every, the society will melt down. Yeah, I agree. If, if Tom Hanks gets caught up <laughs> in Time's Up. But the music world, where everybody will acknowledge that that's probably the, the den of sexual harassment and assault and has been for a long time for women. You know, we're talking about bands and groupies in the music world is, is known to be ripe with that kind of stuff. We haven't seen the kind of big names fall in the music world as we have in the, in the film and TV world. So Excellent uh, it'll point. be interesting to see in the Grammys how much of that is acknowledged. You know, we had Kesha, she came out, and she had a really tough time when she came out with her stuff and lawsuits and, and people taking sides. So we'll see, you know, if on Sunday, you know, how prevalent that stuff is. Interesting. All right, Jason, thank you. Sure thing. Jason Nathanson there, the latest on the Grammys. And again, they will be Sunday night. I believe they're going to be live here on the East Coast. That would mean it would start at about 4.30 in the afternoon. So um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the XFL. He hate me, the XFL. Remember that? Tommy Maddox. Tommy Maddox. Wow. The Vegas Outlaws. How long did that last? A year? One entire year. We're going to have to take bets on how long this iteration is going to last. Or if it even starts. Yeah. Anyway, the new XFL when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Where you look, where you laugh, where you love with all you have. There ain't nothing about you that don't do something for me. Where you kiss, where you cry, where you move when you walk by. There ain't nothing about you that don't do something for me. Brooks and Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. Ain't nothing about you. And see, I don't have a problem with country. There's a lot of country music that I like. It's just specifically Reba. Can you acknowledge the coolness of me getting to see her at the Grand Ole Opry? That's very cool. There's nothing cool about that? You couldn't have picked another night? Listen, Blake. It was her and Vince Gill, and then Carrie Underwood surprised us. That's a killer night. Gary was not Shannon West on 103.5 Hot Country KHSL, back-to-back-to-back Hot Country Hits. So my opinion is really the the only one that matters on this topic. Serving up raw cuts. And the fact that you saw Reba at the Opry is very cool. Thank you. I thought so, too. May have been in the last row of the entire place, but it was awesome. All right. The XFL is coming. WWE founder and chairman Vince it? McMahon announced Thursday that he's giving a professional football league another go. 
something that sounded a little bit like this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL. Ooh, towards, towards the end there, he sounds a little bit like Jerry Brown. <laughs> something was coming up. Um, and he had said, listen, it's going to be the eight teams to start, 40-man rosters, 10-game season that would begin in January, two-hour game-time goal. Two hours. I think this is all politics. I think Vic's, uh, Vince McMahon and who is friends reportedly with the president, who's very upset with the protests that have gone on during the national anthem, during the NFL games in the last couple of years, uh, he made it a point in his statement to say that his players will be required to stand for the anthem. I don't think this comes to fruition. I think this is just noise. Well, it's a it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, he's talking what what made the XFL so interesting and exciting and wacky was it was a show. It was much more of a show. Like it took the best parts of a Super Bowl and put everything onto the field there so that there was, you know, crazy names you could call yourself whatever you wanted on the back of your jersey um there were interesting rule changes that allowed plays you know almost like a arena league football where you could charge the line towards the line of scrimmage before the snap all of that stuff but he said that this is a a cleaner league i don't even know the right way to put it it'll have nothing to do with politics absolutely nothing and nothing to do with social issues either we're there to play football we want really good football. And I think that's what fans want as well. When they tune in, I don't know that they want to be dealing with political issues and things of that nature. They want good football. That's what we're going to deliver. You going to watch it? Uh, the way that I would watch, um, you know, uh, Mr. Pimple Popper on TLC. Doctor. Kind of with this, uh, <laughs> you know, in a curiosity, not a thirst. Like, what's going on there? Kind of curiosity. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest with you. I just don't see it coming together. Well, and would he keep the old teams? Would he keep the Birmingham Thunderbolts and the Chicago Enforcers and the New York, New Jersey Hitmen? What was a failure then? How does it become a success now? I, I don't know. When it only lasted a year. Would you do sideline reporting for the XFL? Fred Rogan did sideline reporting for the XFL. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an NBC product, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, yeah. that was a specific NBC thing. Yeah. He said, Vince McMahon at least said, he doesn't have any network signed up specifically that has even shown interest well, in this. Well, he's got a this. few years to uh, get it done. And you can't, you, it's not like you can spice up the cheerleaders like he did 18 years ago. <laughs> they were like go-go dancers, weren't they? Right, yeah. yeah. I'd do that. There you go. Come on. You do what? A 40-year-old go-go dancer on the sideline at the XFL? I am in. Oddly enough, there's probably a good uh, set of guys that would want that. A nice niche you can carve out there. Yeah, a, that's like the dark lid, web right there. Yeah, right, exactly. That's a like a, for every pot. That's like yeah. a Tuesday in North Hollywood at the uh, Little Darlings. All right, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon side studio. Show. Check two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <clears throat> All right, here you go. Coming up later this morning on the Gary and Shannon Show, the federal government is back at work. It's day two of the cleanup along the. Coming up late. Coming up late. Sorry. Coming up. Boy. 
Are you done? Yes. Hey guys, it's Gary and Shannon here. Every <coughs> Hey guys, Gary and Shannon here. Everyone loves a clean slate in the new year. If you're sick of struggling financially or have debt holding you down, call our friends at Sorry, Cal. Yeah. Cal, our friend. Call our friends at Oak Tree Law to get a fresh mother of God. <coughs> Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon show, the first primate clones. <laughs> I stole from your paper. <laughs> Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon show. Say something smart. You did. You did something smart right there. Oh, wait, did I? Coming up later on the Gary. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> See, when we get to this point, it doesn't end well. This has been Gary and Shannon's side studio show. Yay. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloop- bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Go. You know what I'm saying. We're going to keep screwing up. Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on... Gary and Shannon.